Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the NFL Draft Round 1 is in the books. We're going to get to that coming up. Zach Wilson won number two as expected. Penny Sewell slipped a little bit out of Desert Hills High in St. George. So I thought he might go as high as five, but he slipped to seven and he goes to the Lions. Sorry about that, Penny. That never ends well. Um, the Ford family owns the Lions. They're the constant. They're the problem. Ownership matters. Uh, but as a seven pick, he'll uh, he'll go there. He'll make a lot of money and he'll get to play. And then maybe like Kyle Van Noy, he'll get to escape and go somewhere and win. Um We'll get to the draft coming up. I want to spend a little time on the NBA this morning. Jazz are playing the Suns. We're going to have Joe Ingles for you later in this hour. Um, Jazz are playing the Suns tonight. Uh, last night, uh, the interesting stuff in the NBA, most of the big dogs had it off. Uh, usually they have a lot of big games on Thursday night, but with the draft going on, I think they dialed it down a little bit. But there are some interesting stories in the West, and one is the Denver Nuggets. Don't look now, but they're charging. They have won eight out of nine since Jamal Murray wrecked his knee. And they are eight and one. They've won four in a row. They won again. Um, and they won kind of comfortably. They beat the Toronto Raptors 121 to 111. The Jazz will see the Raptors on Saturday. Tomorrow, the Raptors will be here to face the Jazz as the Jazz go back to back after playing the Suns tonight. So the Nuggets are now a real threat to move to the other side of the bracket. They are still fourth in the West, but they're only a half game behind the Clippers, and they play the Clippers Saturday. So that's a big game. Uh, the Nuggets could get to three. I don't know that the Clippers care. Now that sets up possibly Clippers-Lakers in a 4-5 series. Um, now maybe the Lakers drop to six. I don't think they're going to, but maybe they will. I don't think they will. So we could have a Lakers-Clippers first round. If the Jazz fall behind the Suns, we'll have to see what happens tonight. Um, if the Suns win tonight, then they're tied with the Jazz and they have the tiebreaker. Uh, suddenly, the, even the division title, not that it matters, is in play, and the Jazz could be the Jazz and the Nuggets could be the two and three seeds maybe, and the Suns, the Lakers, and the Clippers all go to the other side of the bracket. So there's all kinds of craziness that can still happen with 10 games to go. We know who the the top four teams are, but we don't know what order they're going to be in. That is still very much a mystery. Uh, there's now enough separation between the Nuggets and the Lakers that that just that there's no way the Lakers are going to catch the Nuggets in in the you know, 10 games or so that are left. The Lakers are uh, five and a half games behind the Nuggets. So Jazz, Suns, Clippers, and Nuggets will have the home court advantage in the first round. Who they'll be playing, no idea. The play-in series can scramble 7-8, and obviously. 7th place Portland's only a game behind 6th place Dallas. Dallas is only a game behind the 5th place Lakers. So good luck trying to engineer matchups. Get healthy, play well, see what happens. Um, I'm not ruling out the Jazz beating the Suns tonight. I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't expect it to happen. But when you can shoot the three as well as the Jazz, you've always got a chance. And they've got a chance. Suns should be the favorite. I haven't seen point spread for it. I'll find it here in the next commercial break or two. Um, you got to figure with no no Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, I expect no Mike Conley. So, boy, <laughs> Jazz are in trouble. But you shoot the three well, then you win the game. It could happen. You can't rule it out. 
Uh, other things that happened last night in the NBA, in addition to the Nuggets picking up that win and kind of solidifying themselves as the top four team, the Mavericks did win. They beat the Pistons 115-105. to The shock score of the night was the Bucks falling to the Rockets. Giannis Antetokounmpo sprained his ankle in the first minute of the game, and Kevin Porter Jr. went for 50 points for the Rockets. The Rockets win 143-136. So we can talk about Giannis being gone, but... Milwaukee, you got to defend better. You can't give the Rockets 143 points. I mean, 143, I think most teams aren't trying once they give up 120. 143, that's outrageous. What That is outrageous. And I know you miss Giannis, and he's a really good player, but you score 136 points, you ought to be able to win. You ought to be able to defend the Rockets well enough to win with 136 points, and they couldn't do it. So, Drew Holiday's 29 points and 10 assists. Wasted. Uh, also, the Minnesota Timberwolves definitely playing better here at the end of the year. They're eliminated. They're not going anywhere, but they beat the Warriors 126 to 114. So, Steph Curry went for 37 points, six rebounds, and eight assists. He had a monster game, and it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. <laughs> just, I don't want to go all Bill Murray and uh, meatballs on you, but it just doesn't matter. He was 6 of 17 for three, so not one of his better shooting nights. Um, you know, a little, little more on the volume side there, but yeah, 37 points on 27 shots. He got to the line. That's what he did. He was nine for nine, but it's not enough. The Warriors unable to defend the Wolves, and they lose 126 to 114. Ricky Rubio shot it well, hit five three pointers, scored 26 points. He had a night. So there's a night in the NBA. That's what's going on. And now tonight, it's a big game with the Jazz and the Suns. And you can go all through all the, uh, you know, who's in and who's out and who's got momentum and who doesn't. And can the Jazz I, – I think they've been defending well this whole stretch. I think, you know, they, the turnovers and the rebound – offensive rebounds were outrageous Saturday in the loss to Minnesota. Um, but at the end of the day, the defense, the, just the pure defense was really good. When you're giving up that many turnovers and that many points off turnovers, and when you're giving up that many offensive rebounds and that many points off offensive rebounds to hold the Timberwolves to 101 points, you were defending pretty well. And they held the the Wolves to 105, but lost uh, when they gave up the the you know botched uh, botched the uh, switch assignment there in the last couple minutes, and Rudy came out and you know swore at himself. They only gave up 105 points in a blowout to the Kings. So it's been a long time. Um, I guess that uh, first Laker game, 127-115, and that was still an overtime game. So I think the Jazz have been defending well here over the last half dozen games. Defend well, you hit the three. You probably shouldn't win, but you never know. Well, I'm just going to leave it there. You never know. And then back-to-back with Toronto on Saturday. And uh, also, uh, if you're looking for uh, some NBA tonight, and I know some of you will be into the draft, and we'll get into that in just a second, um, but uh, ESPN's got a doubleheader tonight, and the second game is, uh, excuse me, NBA TV does, and the second game is Kings and Lakers. So we want to check out the Lakers and see what's going on NBA TV tonight. All right, DJ and PK, there you go. There's a little NBA for you. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, NFL Draft. We'll hear from the number two pick in the draft, the former Corner Canyon Charger, the former BYU Cougar, and now the New York Jets savior. Hopefully, possibly, maybe, after a very, very bad decade for the Jets. Uh, We'll hear from Zach Wilson coming up and a few other observations on the the top of the draft and what happened. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So... NFL Draft, round one is in the books. And as expected, top three picks are quarterbacks. And number two is Zach Wilson from Quarter Canyon to BYU going to the Jets. And then the Jets traded up, got some offensive line help. So they're trying to build a team around him. We'll see what they draft here uh, today and tomorrow in the last couple days of the draft here. And uh, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, But Zach Wilson's going to the Big Apple. No surprise there. No surprise with Trevor Lawrence at the top of the draft. Um, It did start to get uh, interesting with the third pick. The Niners took a quarterback. Everybody thought they would. They took uh, Trey Lance, who, you know, it's a a gamble. Coming out of North Dakota State, he's playing a lower level of football, but he's looking awesome doing it. Uh, Quarterback's going one, two, three. Last year was three of the top six. This year it's the top three and five of the top 15. So (laughs) everybody's all in on quarterbacks. Now the surprise was that uh, Alabama, their quarterback, Mac Jones slipped all the way to 15 and he goes to the Patriots. There was all kinds of speculation about them trading up as high as pick seven to, uh, to get a quarterback. And there were still two quarterbacks on the board. Justin Fields slipped to 11 and went to, uh, Went to the Chicago Bears, who traded up to get him. Gave up two picks this year and two picks next year, including both number ones, to get him. So they're all in on fields. He's their guy. That's um, I mean, giving up this year's number one when you're getting a number one, that's not so, such a big deal. But giving up next year's number one, look out. Uh, <laughs> look, look out. So the Giants uh, trade back and get four draft picks to do it. So kind of a no-brainer for the Giants there. Well, if you want to do it, it's going to be uh, you know an arm and a leg or – Two arms and two legs, or an arm and a leg this year, an arm and a leg next year. I don't know. I can't ride. I can't ride that metaphor all the way to the end. It's too gruesome. It's uh, it's like Monty Python or something in The Men Who Say Knee. Um, so Field slips, but he goes to the Bears, who've been looking for a quarterback forever. And then uh, the Patriots, man, they don't have to trade up. All that speculation out the window. They get Mac Jones, and um, you know Nick Saban is actually tight. He was on a coaching staff a million years ago. Uh, with Bill Belichick, and so they've got a, a friendship and a relationship, and I assume all of the all the possible inside info was all positive and all went to Belichick, and so he's got his guy. Now we'll see if he has the right guy. Uh, but five of the top 15 picks are quarterbacks. Um, when it went away from quarterbacks, it wasn't too surprising. After, uh, after Lawrence and Wilson and Lance, Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, kind of a no-brainer. He's got huge upside as a tight end hybrid receiver, you know, Travis Kelsey comparisons, all that stuff they were doing in the draft shows. I think the next pick, Jamar Chase from LSU, you understand it, former LSU quarterback, former LSU receiver. You want to get Burrow and Chase together. But Penny Sewell was on the board, and Cincinnati needs help with the offensive line, and it's it's hard to believe they let a generational offensive lineman just slide, but they did. Now, 
the O-line plays great next year, however they patch it up with free agents or other draft picks, trades, whatever they do. But they went out and got Joe Burrow, and he got hit, and he tore his ACL. Now, if he goes out and gets hit and gets injured again next year, people are going to be second-guessing left and right. You know, and in the vacuum, I'll admit it, it looked like a terrible pick, and I would have taken Sewell. But what other talent do they have their eyes on? What other talent do they think they can get? And will it be good enough? And if the five guys they have protect him, well, then, you know, get Chase. He's already got a relationship, a rapport with a quarterback. His, you know, measurables are awesome and all that. He's a blur. He's a big play guy, yada, yada. Uh, Jalen Waddle from Alabama went next. So, again, going with his former college quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, goes to Miami, and uh, the two of them can pair up, two former Alabama guys with the Dolphins. And then Penny Sewell to, uh, to Oregon. Uh, a couple of interesting facts about the first round. Alabama had six first-round picks. Totally blowing every other school away. Blowing whole conferences away. The Pac-12 had half that. The Pac-12 had three first-round picks drafted. The Big 12 had none. The Big 12 had nobody in the first round, and the Pac-12 had three. Uh, Six for the Big 10, seven for the ACC, and then 12 for the SEC. But of those 12, six for the SEC, six for Alabama. (laughs) We'll just go ahead and break that out. The SEC is just riding Alabama. We're great. Okay, you're standing on Alabama's shoulders. You're standing in their shadow. Come on. (laughs) You had six. You had 13 teams. Uh, and six were picked, right? And then the Big Ten has 14 teams and seven were drafted. You're, you're pretty much the Big Ten, minus Alabama. Alabama just sits alone, and I guess I guess the big the SEC can take as much credit as they want. But So that's the way it broke down. Twelve SEC picks in the first round, six of them for Alabama. And then you got seven for the ACC, six for the Big Ten, three for the Pac-12, and then there were four players who didn't play Power 5 football. Uh, you got Zach Wilson, at number two, Trey Lance at number three. Kind of interesting, huh? Quarterbacks, two of the top three, the great equalizer. Uh, Zayvon Collins, a linebacker for Tulsa, went 16. And Houston's Peyton Turner, defensive end, uh, went 28. So they're, they're the exceptions. Uh, the Pac-12 guys at the top of the draft were Sewell from Oregon, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, a guard from USC went 14. And then the last pick of the first round, Joe Tryon from Washington, the outside linebacker. That was the third Pac-12 guy. So USC, Oregon, and Washington, not all that surprising. Kyle Whittingham's coming up later this morning. Talk to him. I've already been reading stuff about next year's draft. And they had a list of 10 to 12 guys who they thought from Utah could be drafted next year. Now, you know, how many guys you have in any one year? you got to kind of take a rolling average over multiple years because guys can, you know, go after their junior or stay. And, of course, now with the bonus year, it's even crazier. So one draft can look empty and one can look great. You probably ought to average those drafts out and see where the number is because it can be a little misleading. Um, both numbers, both the zero this year and then if the number is 8, 10, or 12, whatever it turns out to be next year. Um, Kyle didn't want to commit to 10 or 12, but he did think the number could get to seven pretty quickly. And then you always have to allow for injuries and guys who are, um, you know, it's hard to predict right now who's going to be a sixth or seventh round pick and who's going to be undrafted. You know, there's some guys who are right on the line and it could go either way. So we'll have that conversation with Kyle coming up, coming up later this morning in the, uh, in the nine o'clock hour. All right. Time now to hear from Zach Wilson. He got a lot of FaceTime. Holy cow. You know, the draft shows are coming on at 5.30 or 6, depending on what you're watching. And maybe they were even on earlier than that. Uh, Maybe they're on at 5. 
And so they got all kinds of hype and basically the quote unquote pregame or pre-draft. And he's, it's basically like this massive NFL red carpet, right? And he's just on camera all the time. I'm just getting a ton of run, but Hey, they want to keep New York interested. It's the biggest TV market. Keep New York interested. The Jets are drafting a quarterback with a number two pick. He's on the other side of the country. And there's no way Jets fans watched him play a little, lot of football. They just didn't. College football isn't that big in that part of the country. And if they are watching, they're watching Notre Dame and they're watching the Big Ten and the SEC. There's just no way they're watching Western football. They're not watching BYU games. They're not watching Pac-12. They're not watching the Mountain West. They're just not watching, uh, you know, this side of the country. All right, it's time now to hear from the man, Zach Wilson, the number two pick in the draft. He's going to be a Jet. He's already got stuff up on the Jet website. He's got to sell the tickets. He's going to get the back page. The tabloids are going to be after him. It's going to be really different. And I know being the BYU quarterback puts you in the spotlight. And so in some regard, you know, it's it's a good thing they had that. But it's still not going to be the same as being in the NFL and being in the Big Apple. So the Jets, nowhere to go but up, coming off a 2-14 and 14 season and only having one winning season in the last 10 years. So here's Zach Wilson, the number two pick in the draft, and the Jets' new quarterback. When did you start thinking that, that the Jets might be the team that was going to take you? Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks back, obviously going through the process, you kind of know where your, uh, you know, projections are and, and what the media is saying, but, you, you know, you never truly know until it happens on draft day. You know, this is what I was hoping for. This is what me and my family were praying for, is to be in this situation and go play for the Jets. You know, we're, we're so excited to be here. Zach, this is DJ with the New York Daily News. Um, what makes you ready to take on this challenge of being a franchise quarterback for the New York Jets? Yeah, when I made my decision to come out of college, it was because I felt like mentally, physically, I was ready uh, for the NFL game. I felt like my maturity, uh, you know, my ability to pick up an offense, be able to, you know, connect with the guys around me was was ready to go. And so uh, when I decided to come out, that was the decision I made is, is that I got to be ready to play in the NFL. So, you know, I'm excited to take this full on because, you know, since I was seven years old, we've been working on uh, how to handle how to handle to be an NFL player. Zach, you say that the Jets were the team you wanted to go to. I think that might surprise some people. The team hasn't had a lot of success in recent years. Why was that? Well, you know what? You know, every single team is different each year. There's uh, there's some different circumstances that happen, different different positions, you know, different things that maybe just aren't clicking, you know, but every team um, can, can come back from that stuff. And so, you know, I think what makes something so special is being able to be a part of something uh, and make something special. You know, when a team isn't doing super well, and you can go in there and actually be a key piece into what actually flips that, that organization around. I think that's so special. And so I'm so excited, uh, you know, me along with this new coaching staff as well, to go in there and, and try and do the best that we can to flip this thing around. Zach, do you embrace the challenge of playing in New York? Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think I'm, I'm so excited. You know, I haven't been uh, obviously to the East Coast. I'm a West Coast guy, but I'm so excited to be there. I think that was one of the biggest things when I decided to come out is that I'm excited to experience living somewhere else. You know, I didn't know where it was going to take me, but I'm so excited that I get to go and uh, be in New York City. I know there are so many opportunities there and, and some great situations, some great fans. So I can't wait to uh, be able to represent that city. Zach, I, I think it was from maybe a year or so ago, but there was a video clip of you talking about what mm-hmm. offense you felt you might fit best in, and I think you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan, obviously, is still in San Francisco, but the Jets are going to run that same offense this year. Um, what about that scheme do you think is is that perfect fit for you, and, and why do you think you'll be so successful in it? Well, I think it's so similar to BYU, the ability to – 
you know, tons of shifts, motions, a little bit of pro style under center, uh, pushing the ball down the field, play action pass. You know, I think that that West coast style offense that coach the floor and coach Salah are going to bring in is exactly, you know, if I had to write exactly the offense I'd want to play in, it would be right there. You know, I got a taste of it uh, going through this whole, you know, recruitment process, trying to figure out, you know, the things that we like and don't like, but, you know, I, I think the coaching staff is exactly what I needed and, and the scheme is right there. So I can't wait to wait to start learning it. Zach, as you mentioned the coaching staff there on the st- on the stage, you immediately said how you loved this Jets coaching staff. What was it that really had you connect with Coach Sala or Coach LaFleur that you knew that this would be a great fit? Yeah, well, it definitely starts from the top. I think the ownership has the right mindset. Uh, I know Christian and Woody are doing everything they can to to be able to you know put the Jets in the best situation to succeed. And then obviously uh, Joe Douglas is doing an amazing job of bringing in the right hires, and, and he's going to make some other great draft picks tonight. And and then I think with Coach Sala, I think the most important part in head coach is the culture that he brings in, and his energy and passion, and and the ability to bring guys around him. I think is so special. And then you know obviously look at Coach Lafleur and, and his ability to learn from so many great guys. And then he you know is, is arguably arguably one of the most you know, intelligent guys that I've met with through all my zoom meetings and interactions. And, uh, you know, so everything that they bring from every standpoint, you know, I'm so excited to be a part of. Zach, I know you spent your weekends driving, uh, basically 10 hours to continue to practice football. There's a lot of distractions here in New York though. Is there anything you're looking forward to off the field experiencing here in New York city? Yeah, well, there's a lot of good restaurants. That's one of my favorite things to do is go out to the city and, and uh, check out what good food they got to eat. And so, you know, I'm excited to get down there. You know, hopefully, you know, COVID will pass by in a little bit and, and we'll be able to get to the city and, and try out some of the good restaurants. And uh, I'm just excited to experience, you know, the great parts of New York. Zach, as, people, as, Zach, as people have dissected your game over the last four months, I think one of the big questions is what was the biggest difference for you from 19 to 20 when, when your stats really jumped in 2020? So just how would you answer that question? Well, you know what's so crazy? If you look at the best quarterbacks, everyone just remembers the greatest things about them, right? I mean, you, 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 there has to be growth somewhere, right? And my, my sophomore season was growth for me. Every situation that year I had learned from, every uh, – you know, I had a couple of injuries that year as well. And so the ability to learn from some of the mistakes I made, you know, the development in my game, the maturity, having one more year with guys that uh, I was able to help build a culture around, you know, we, we were just able to make things click. And I think that was what was so special about the whole thing is, is when you just got one more year, all that stuff that you went through struggling is stuff that I learned from. Zach, what are the Jets getting as a leader, as a player and as a man? Yeah. Someone that's going to give everything they have. You know, I think that's the, that's the bottom line is, is from day one. You know, I know you got to work as hard as you can. You got to think you're working harder than everybody else to get to this point. And so the jets are going to get a guy that, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in bringing the guys around you together, having a strong connection with them. So that's a leader. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, the man that, that they, they can look up to, they can call for any advice, any help that they ever need. And then, you know, as a player, I'm going to make sure I'm in the facility every single day, giving it everything I have, because I want to, you know, do whatever I can to make sure that this, that this team is, is on the right track and we're getting all the right things done. Zach, um, you mentioned on giving everything you have from coaches and players. It seemed like one thing you like love to do is, dive into the film. Um, what made you such a film junkie? Yeah, I think it's just that passion and love from the game. You know, ever since I was a young kid, 
you know, I've just, I've always loved the thrill of the sport, you know, ever, everything that goes on between it, you know, and you hit that deep touchdown pass when you make someone miss, you know, even sometimes when you get laid out, you know, sometimes the, the game just brings so much thrill and excitement and you get those butterflies. And I think that's, what's so special. And so, you know, in those kind of moments, I just want to always make sure I'm prepared. So I got, I got someone to film because I just love that. There always is something new to learn every single day that I watch film, there's something new to learn. And so I'm just soaking it up and I'm, I'm having a blast. What would you like Jets fans to know about you, not only as a player, but a person? Yeah, I'm a big family guy. You know, I, I would rather, you know, sit at home with my parents, a couple of my close friends, my girlfriend, and, and uh, you know, hang out, go out and get a nice dinner, you know, whatever it is. You know, I, I really, you know, am a football junkie 24-7, and I hope they know I'm going to give everything I have to make sure that we do this thing the right way. Zach, you're going to a team that's been searching for a franchise quarterback, we heard, since the days of Joe Namath for decades. Um, Do you feel any pressure? How will you go about being that guy, and why are you that guy that's up for the challenge? Yeah, not at all. And, you know, I got confidence in myself, of course, but I got confidence in, in the ownership and all the way down through these new coaches and, and, and the players, you know, I think these, I think, you know, I've heard from multiple sources, how talented this team is, you know, but maybe the pieces just didn't align, you know, so I'm so excited to get in there and then, and then just try and figure out what we can do to make it better. You know, I know this, this is a team game, you know, you can go from a, a losing season one year to a winning season the next, you know, you can flip it, flip it real quick. So I'm excited to, to get in there and just, and help make this thing, help make this thing work. We'll take a couple more for Zach. Zach, there was a report, there, Zach, there was a report that you had contacted um, some former Jets quarterbacks, Mark Sanchez, Chad Pennington, Josh McCown. Is that right? And what kind of advice did those guys give you? Yeah, I talked to a couple of them. I actually haven't called uh, Chad yet. You know, I need to, but, uh, you know, McCown gave me some of the best advice. You know, he was just talking about how amazing of a situation this is, you know, how he came from a small, small town in in, uh, Texas, I believe, and and that, you know, he never wanted to go to the big city, you know, and he got there to New York and he loved it. And he said he, he loved living in Jersey and he loved the culture and he loved that, you know, the atmosphere and, and culture Joe, Joe Douglas was bringing in and some of the hires that he made. And he just felt like that team was right there on the rise. And so I thought that was so cool uh, to hear that from him. You know, it gives you confidence in being able to go in there. And uh, it made it made it very comforting to know that, you know, what I'm going into a great a great situation. Zach, you talked about wanting to grow and kind of learn, what do you think you need to learn and grow and improve on to, to be effective at the next level? And no doubt, you know, what's so hard is, is when you dominate as well as we did at BYU, you know, not just myself, the team, when, when you win as many games as we did, it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, one thing of improvement. You know, I honestly think I can get better in every single aspect. I think I can, you know, I can get better in the pocket with pocket movements, the ability to throw, you know, from a phone booth, uh, small tight spaces, you know, accuracy can always get better. Uh, and then decision-making. So, you know, along with this process of getting to the NFL, it comes a, a, a new learning curve. You know, you're going to learn about different defenses and, and you're going to have pro bowlers lined up across from you and you're going to have to, you know, try and study the ins and outs of those guys and what make them special. And then you got to be able to react and, and make plays off of it. If you could speak to the 17 year old, just say, if you could speak to the 17 year old version of yourself about this moment and everything in between, what would you say? I'll say, just keep pushing, you know, adversity, uh, you got all the highs and lows. And uh, I would say, just keep pushing because eventually the cream rises to the top. And, and if if you're doing all the right things, saying all the right things and giving everything you have, you know, eventually it's going to work out for you. There is Zach Wilson. When we come back, Joe Ingalls. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. All right, time now for the Joe Ingles Show. We had him on right at the end of the show yesterday. Uh, and you'll hear he's a little gassed, and clearly that's what happens when you got to play in Sacramento and then go to the airport and do the late-night flight to Phoenix, and you get to bed late, and then you wake up to do radio. So, hey, that's what happens. Uh, but we're, we're glad he came on. It was good to talk to him. There's a lot to go over with him. Um, but he's clearly a little gassed, and uh, I think it's a good thing. We had him on right at the end of the show yesterday. He came on like 9.30, went to like 9.50 right at the end of the show. I think it's a good thing that they uh, were not going back-to-back and that's why you see those bad games on the second night of the back-to-the-back. As you listen to this, imagine what it would have been like if everyone felt like him and they had to play a game. But they got a day to get their feet under them. I'm not completely ruling out their chances of beating Phoenix. I think they got a shot. If they, They've been defending well for a half dozen games now. If they shoot the three well, I think they got a shot. Uh, anyway, here's PK and I with Joe Ingles, the Joe Ingles Show. There might be a couple last night references, but you get the point. Joe's in Phoenix now for this one. Here's Joe with PK and I. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells, Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK brought to you by Cypress Credit Union for a limited time only. Get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Joe, I'm curious, how many jerseys did you sign for this promotion? I do not do anything. Everything is um, no, no, no jerseys. It's all me. Well, you're on the road again. This is a week, basically a week road trip here before you get back yeah. home. At this point in the season, how much is it a mental drudgery to find your way to get through it? Uh, you played so many games, so many trips, and all that stuff, and you still got ten games to go. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's a, a little bit of that. Um, obviously I think, I mean, every team at this point is, um, no, I, I would be surprised if any player was playing at a hundred percent, everyone's a, a bit fatigued or a, a little bit beat up injury wise or, or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's just obviously, I think for us, and I've said it a few times and probably really boring but just about keep getting better and better and being better the next game and if, if we're not then we, we're trying to figure it out what, what we did or what we need to do to be better the next game um, so obviously we had a couple of losses in there and um, 
go and kind of look at it and figure it out and go back out and then have another crack. It's, 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 uh, it's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, you just got to be locked in as best you can. Um, like I said, it's kind of our last big trip. I think we got one more trip of one game and one of two, and that's all we've got uh, kind of over the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, he's figuring it out, still trying to get better and, and obviously um, get ready for the playoffs. Tell me about that pregame speech you must have given last night. Guys, I know these last two games have, have been hard, but I'm on the radio with DJ and PK tomorrow. Let's, let's go shoot 58% <laughs> from three. Let's score 154 points. Let's set a club record. Let's turn this mood around and fire it up for the radio show. Am I right? Um, yeah, it was it was very close to that. Coach mm-hmm. brought it up again. Coach knew um, what was going on, so um, a lot of credit to him for for getting the guys ready for the the win for the radio show. Um, but no, it was. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you ever can say we were we were that prepared or, or that ready to to play. I think we. Um, we knew what we needed to do. We knew, um, I mean, even going into it, my mindset, like we're obviously, we're obviously down Mike and, and Donovan and, um, me figuring out how to, how to help and how to, not how to help, but how, how to kind of, I've played a lot of point guard here, not a lot of times with both our point guards out and both. All stars out, um, so it's a little bit different. So um, I was kind of going into it, just trying to figure out what I could do, kind of controlling the, the tempo. Obviously, obviously trying to trying to help us win the game, but um, pushing the ball, running the the, the right plays for the right guys. Um, obviously, knowing that, um, I feel the I didn't know at the time, but obviously all our young guys got in. Obviously, by the end of it, but. Um, yeah, getting them involved and, and when they're in the game, trying to trying to keep them in the flow with with what we were doing. So, um, yeah, I don't think we anyone would have prepared for for what we did. But um, no, it was I think we moved the ball well. Um, I think obviously, the the packages was a bit more basic again, uh, which we've talked about before, just to to, to play and, and be free a little bit. And guys were. Moving the ball and 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 shooting shots and, and obviously we made shots. I think if I mean if we make what two or three maybe only more shots in that second Minnesota game, we probably win as well. So there's a fine line with that, and um, we we shot the ball and 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 made a lot of them. So it was a it was a good night. So I grew up in Phoenix, went to uh, high school and college there, and worked there in a while. And both my wife and our families are all down there, so I know that. The Suns were the original pro team in that area, and when they win, the town gets way excited, and they're winning now, so that town is way excited. I've talked to my sister. She's a big Suns fan again and all that stuff, so they're going to view it as a big game when you play the Suns. How are you or the Jazz going to view it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same, the same as the last game, and the 60 whatever before that we, we, we're going to continue to, to keep trying to get better um, obviously we want to win the game but we're, we're not going into the game to lose um, I guess same kind of thing as, as the last game we just had like it's a, it's a little bit of figuring out figuring it out along the way um, 
me handling the ball from, from the get-go, obviously not having Mike and Don there to, to, uh, to help me or me help them. Um, but, no, we, we, it's, I mean, it's a, we, we've, we've lost to them. Um, they've got a game plan, um, which they actually have called, I think their coach or someone was saying they called, we're calling out Utah, so it's a kind of a specific game plan for us. And um, so, so we know they'll, they'll be ready and um, we just got to come out, I, I think, exactly with the mindset we did of last game is to, to play play free, to, to move the ball and, and, and shoot the ball. Um, and then I think what we did yesterday on the defensive end, granted we scored whatever we scored, 100 and whatever the franchise record was. Um, we, we, we were also defending and we, we were also not giving up offensive rebounds. They, they, at some point in the game, they, they had kind of nothing off offensive rebounds and, and turnovers. So that, that, that was obviously a key of um, for us to get a shot up, make more possessions offensively. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun out there tomorrow. So you played against Chris Paul in, uh, well, obviously in Phoenix this year, Oklahoma City last year, Houston before that, and before that the Clippers. Has he changed at all? Has he is his game changed that much since you were in camp with them? How well did you get to know him then? Um, he's a lot older now, as we <laughs> all are. <laughs> um, no, I think he's. I mean, I think for him, what's made him so good and, and continues to be good is. Um, everyone knows the leadership and the, the, the communication side of it and all that, but I think he just keeps finding more and more ways to to, to be effective, to, to keep helping his teams. Um, he obviously, and I don't even really know, but I'm assuming he's 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 not this exactly the same guy. I don't think he'd be feeling as as healthy and good as he did seven years ago out there. Um, but I know he. I know he spends a lot of time on his on his body and preparation and, and diet and all that. To to I mean, what is he like? Late thirties. Um, to to still be playing at a still be playing in the NBA at that point is impressive. But to to also be playing at the the level that he has the last couple of years, especially a little bit last year with that OKC team, what he did, and then he's he, he's. I mean, he's almost pretty much done the same thing here. Um, Helps when you've got Devin Booker, you've got Aiden, you get a Jay Crowder, uh, all those guys. So, um, yeah, they're a good team. They've obviously built something. Um, I think yesterday, the day before, whenever they clinched the playoff, it was the first time in ten years. So they, they've obviously been building something, and they've they've done a good job so far. And, and he's obviously um, a, a massive piece of that. From game to game, how much, uh, as far as confidence goes with shooting, is it fickle? Well, I mean, it, like, it kind of just is what it is. Like, you go into a game and you've done everything you can, obviously, prior to, to tip off. Um, you've done your routine. You've done whatever, maybe you shot the day before, maybe you didn't, maybe we had a day off, or whatever the, the, the schedule was, um, and you go in there and, I mean, sometimes you shoot, you might shoot 10 of them and they all feel feel like the, the 10 best shots you've shot and they, they rim out or they just roll out and you, you don't make one or maybe you make one or two or whatever um, and there's days that you 
don't even think you're shooting the ball well or you don't, it doesn't feel that good. It doesn't even, it barely hits the net. Um, so it's, uh, you, you just kind of, for me, it's a lot of the time, it's it's what we've talked about, like not taking bad ones because I think the percentages just go way down um, when you, you're taking a shot that's not comfortable or it's not the shot, your shot, quote unquote. Um so yeah, I think it's like you go into it, and it, like I said, like I mean, it's what it is. Like if you you get good looks, obviously we not like I'm gonna miss a couple and start shooting with my right hand to try that. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do that way. But it's it's about finding space, knowing the game plan, knowing when you can shoot. I, I think that was kind of a a little bit of a lead into like that Minnesota game. Like we, we shot 60 something threes and, and I think a lot of them were, were really good shots. Like I don't think many of them at all were, were bad shots. I shot 13 and I don't, I don't know if I've ever shot 13 before, but I was thinking about it after and I was like, maybe I took some bad ones. I was like, there might've been like one or two that I wouldn't like normally always take, but I also didn't feel like they were like horrible. So it's like, um, but they they won't go in. If I make six of them that day, we maybe we win by ten. Like it's yeah. a it's a fine line. So it's just about uh, I think you do all that preparation, you do the, the stuff to get ready for a game, and then when you get out there, you you, you shoot the ball with confidence, whether you are five for five or zero for five. Um, well, I mean, we've all seen it a million times where you don't make a shot all game, and then you make a big one at the end, or, or vice versa. You can make a bunch at the start. And, and, Kind of cool off, so um, yes. Um, the the beauty of of playing the sport we play. Thirteen is your season high for three pointers, Joe. You have let it rip many games, but not like that. I, I, <laughs> I want to double back to something you said earlier in the interview about uh, figuring out how to play when both guys are gone, because you've played when either Donovan's been out or Mike's been out, yeah. but now they're they're both out. And I'm curious how different that is, because it just seemed to me that you, well, you'd be running pick and rolls with Rudy and with Derek, whoever's in the game, and you'd be looking for your three. And so I, I guess I figured how often you're doing it would probably, you'd probably run more pick and rolls and run the offense more, but I thought you'd run it the same way. How would it be different? Um, I mean, it's, I don't know how often. I'm sure a few times, but I don't know how often I've I've started at point guard and played it for. Obviously, last night was a little different because I only played it probably less than we anticipated or, or thought maybe going in. Like, never think you're going to win by fifty. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just I think it's hard to explain. I think it's just it's just different. I'm I'm usually like kind of that secondary ball hander even if I'm out there with Mike or, or whatever obviously Mike's a point guard Donovan's a point guard and if I get a rebound or they've taken off then obviously I can bring it and, and then obviously there's stretches where I, I play kind of the backup minutes um, as a point guard um, and I think I mean especially this year there's always been one of them there but when I have done it this year at uh, the times that I have I know what I'm running. I know what it's for. I know that all the team knows. It's usually that group of like Mike and I, one of us is in there or depending on injuries, um, sometimes both of us, sometimes one of us, but a lot of stuff for for JC, a lot of pick and rolls for for Mike and I or whoever's in. Um, 
So it's just a bit more of the, the kind of controlling the, the game a little bit, starting, um, I mean, for a second, second possession, whatever, like Mo Heikers picked me up full court. Like that's not, you don't get that when you're playing against the, the kind of the second unit. It, it, it'll be like that tomorrow. The Javon Carter and those guys um, are going to pick up full court regardless. So it's, it, it's just different. It's not, it's not massive. Um, I'm not saying like I was uncomfortable because it's I'm the primary kind of ball handler or, or whatever. Um, but it is, it's just different. A lot more um, thinking. There was a couple of possessions where we we as good as 150 odd points. Look, there was a couple of possessions where I even got. Like I kind of had like a brain freeze bringing the ball up of like what to what to run real quick because I was trying to who haven't I who haven't I ran a play for like has JC had a shot has I, have I got boy on my maybe it's George's turn maybe I got to get Rudy involved like wh- whoever was out there um, and there was a couple in a row where I literally had like this brain freeze and we had te- we ran terrible offense and we we didn't get good shots and I think coach called a timeout and I was like that was on me like I just literally had. A kind of blurred moment of of what to run. So it's just things like that that usually I can throw the ball to Michael Donovan. They'll they'll figure it out, and um, maybe it will be a play for me. So um, yeah, it's just it's a little bit different. Um, but I think after last night, um, obviously going a bit more prepared, knowing kind of exactly what to run at all times, and, and then the the back end kind of boring part for a lot of people but it's also me trying to help Trent when Trent's in there as well um, just keeping him confident and knowing what to run and, and pushing the ball and, and stuff like that so um, yeah it's uh, it's a little bit different but it's all uh, it's all good Which is the team prioritizing the number one seed? Um, and we want to keep winning if that continues and, and we end up in number one seed then great um, we haven't sat around a bonfire and sing Kumbaya and talked about it and um, all stuff like that. I mean, we're not allowed to with COVID anyway, so that defeats that purpose. But um, yeah, I think we, we we haven't sat around and talked to. Obviously, we, we want to finish as high as we can, which is obviously where we are at the moment. Um but like I've said before, it's it's about us playing better and better and better. And by the playoffs, we, we want to be playing the best basketball we can for, for going into that kind of portion of the season. So, um, yeah, it'd be ideally it'll be it'd be nice. But um, we also can't control what, what other teams do and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Let the Jazz fans uh, get angry over my answer there, but. Yeah, uh, <laughs> same thing. Kind of, is, it is what it is, right? Like, what? Yeah. Teams are going to rest. Teams are going to. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not saying we're going to do that or not. I, I don't get to go into those meetings. Um, but we, we obviously, like I said, want to be playing. We want to be fresh. We want to be healthy. Um, obviously, even Mike's situation right now, like he, we got some. Obviously, he's a little beat up and and waiting for for Don's ankle and stuff like that. So um, uh, I think health is, is priority number one. There's no point limping into a playoff series down a couple of guys that you've you've played for all year. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll let those guys, the, the medical people, will handle 
kind of that side of, of that and whoever's out there to play available we'll do our best to, to keep winning well we really got to go I want to get to the bottom of the whole George Niang saying he doesn't want to trash talk with you because you're too good and, and you might hurt him and he might be scarred was that who was, said that George George in a pregame feature last night it was with him and him and uh, and him and Matt. They said, "Who's the bigger trash talk?" He just raised his hand. He said, "You're the one guy he doesn't want to get into it with, though. You could crush He's him." He's an idiot. Him. He doesn't <laughs> shut up. He sits next to me on the plane too, and he, I'm telling you, he does not shut up. Yeah, but we heard that was a great feature. You even tweeted it out. That was a great feature about you guys riding together on the plane and all the family videos and all that. Chris Camerati wrote it for the Athletic. It was awesome. You it was gave, a hell of an article too. Yeah, you gave it the seal of Thank approval. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. No, he's a he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, George is an idiot. I ain't even going <laughs> to say about him. But our Q and A will be a great thing in the auction that was on there yesterday. So someone someone bid a lot of money for for the kids. Someone bid a lot of money for the kids. All right, we got to run, Joe. Good luck in the games. We Appreciate will talk to you again it. next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. There is Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? Baseball, football, basketball, draft games, playoff races, all of it coming up. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NFL. I'm going to give it everything I have. You know, I worked uh, as hard as I could for this moment, and uh, there's not another team I'd want to play for besides the Jets. So I'm going to give it everything I have, and we're going to be a special team, baby. We're going for the Super Bowl. This is what I wanted all along, and I can't wait to play for really the greatest franchise in NFL history. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. (laughs) That's not well received here. You got all the boos. Jimmy's our quarterback right now. And Trey's going to come in here, he's going to compete, he's trying to do everything. And the day that it looks like Trey can compete with them and he's ready to go, then we'll know that, our players will see that, and we won't hesitate on that, just like I feel like we wanted at any other position. Is there any scenario that you can see trading Aaron Rodgers this offseason? No, no, Ryan, I appreciate the question, but no, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. How did the NFL do it, PK? The first round of the draft, the Aaron Rodgers uh Rumors, speculation, trade, innuendo. That was a solid day of publicity for the NFL. Just football, football, football. Heard a lot of the storylines right there, starting with Zach Wilson to the Jets and wrapping up with the Packers saying they're not trading Rodgers, which is what you say right up until you trade him. So teams may keep trying to pry him away. The hell they ain't trading him. <laughs> and I was talking to Aaron last night, and yeah, man, they're going to be trading him. You mark my words. NFL, yeah, it's king, absolutely, man. What a night. Started off with Trevor Lawrence at home, Zach Wilson and his family. I'm so happy for them to the Jets. Know the team. He's ready to embrace New York. Oh, and Booger saying, oh, the soft media, and they didn't play anybody. Give me a freaking break. I've never been a bigger Zach Wilson fan than I am right now. I'm going to take on my hometown team, the Jets. It took me a long time, but I'm going home. There it is. He could have worn the green and white when he was 11, like all the other 11-year-olds, but he didn't do it. We don't know why. It's a great psychological case study. 
So the quarterbacks go 1, 2, 3, 11, 15. So much for the five of the top nine or the five of the top seven. And the Patriots didn't feel the urgency to trade up. I wonder if Belichick got lucky or if Belichick had a pretty good idea Mac Jones was going to slip to I had no idea what happened after the draft, so I can't answer if he got lucky. (laughs) Hey-o. Keep him coming, PK. Keep him coming. Mac Jones. We'll see. Lucky, it may end up being a disaster. You just don't know. You have to see how it plays out. But I think you have an idea of how things are breaking and what you need to do if you, in fact, identified, hey, we want this kid because it's going to be difficult to trade that far up. We'll have to give up too much to get these other kids that are going higher. But... If they zero it in on Mac Jones and we may have to move up a little, which is obviously easier to do, or, wow, look at these guys doing this and that, that we can just sit tight and get who we want anyway. I mean, all those things are possibilities. Yeah. Well, and I assume a lot of those conversations had to take place. You know, the price of moving up, if it had been low, they would have done it and not taken the gamble. But the price was apparently pretty high. I thought the Bears, to get to number 11 to take Justin Fields, they paid a huge price. Uh, first and a third and a first and a fourth, I think. If it was four picks and it was this year's number one, which isn't a big deal because you're getting a number one this year, but you also gave up next year's number one. Yeah, That's but if deal. you if you get what you want, then it right? isn't a big price. If you get a generational quarterback, it's a great deal. And they've been searching for a generational quarterback for decades. So if this is their guy, awesome. I mean, I haven't had one since Bobby Douglas. A little before that because Bobby Douglas was just a left-handed athlete. No. So was Steve Young, and not it worked a, out. Yeah, but Steve Young was a generational quarterback, and Bobby Douglas. Right, was that's not. what I'm talking about. Thank He's you. Just going in circles, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I really do, believe it or not. I know some people are like, how do you put up with this? Like, this is the fun part. Six Alabama players in the first yeah, round. I know. Tying the 2004 University of Miami Canes for the most first round picks in NFL draft history. If you go by conference, it was 12 for the SEC. Seven for the ACC, six for the Big Ten, three for the Pac-12, a big old goose egg for the Big 12, and then there were four players who did not play in Power 5 conferences. Two from the AAC. Yes. Hey, I think AAC is a pretty good brand of football. Yeah, it is. I don't care what ten level of, you want to call yeah, it. Ten of the first 20 are SEC players. Yeah, I was uh, listening. I, I texted Yacht this morning. I was at the gym, and I'm listening to NFL football radio, right? Guy calls up, and he's obviously got an accent that would indicate that he's from the South, and turns out he's from Louisiana. And he's just, <laughs> just going, come on, man. Utah, South Dakota, North Dakota, they don't play football out there. We put some SEC. You got to take SEC guys. He says, "You don't see us trying to go win no hockey championships, do you?" <laughs> just and Bart Scott and Keyshawn Johnson, they just lit into him big time. <laughs> Let's see, one from USC. Okay, first off, don't pick on that guy individually because the line of people who believe everything yeah. he said stretches over the horizon. There's a lot. From LSU, it goes across the state line into Mississippi and Alabama. Well, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, clearly they play the best football as far as the NFL goes. I mean, they just have record numbers. 
year after year. I mean, it's just the way it is. The Heisman Trophy winner wasn't even the best receiver on his team. So we know that. But there's the point that Bart Scott was making is, wait a second here, and I think he went to Southern Illinois or something. There's plenty of other good players. Yeah, okay, you're great over here, but there's plenty of other good players. I mean, Bart Scott, DJ, he was as much on fire as Tim Scott was the other night. hey Keep him coming. Famous Scots. Let's go. No, there's nobody more famous in my in my eyes <laughs> my than eyes. Tim Scott right now for obvious reasons. The SEC is starting to agree to play home and homes. So if this is the kind of stuff that irritates you, these teams have to knock them down. We took a call a long time ago from a guy who was saying the same kind of stuff and brought up, hey, USC played Auburn home and home, and this is back of the Pete Carroll thing, and, and USC worked them. Worked them twice. And the Utes have Florida coming up. So if they're going to play these intersectional games and finally venture outside the South, you got you got to win. Because if you think it's bad now, what if they start playing these intersectional games, venture on the road, and win? Florida comes uh, in here and wins by 10, sweeps the two-game series. You're just going to hear more of this. Modern. Modern. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jazz are in Phoenix tonight. David Locke will be here at 8 o'clock to talk about the game. Jazz are number one. Suns are number two. Jazz are one game in front of the Suns. Suns have the tiebreaker. Suns have the guys. Jazz going to be shorthanded. Pre-game at 7. Tip at 8 o'clock. PK, it's the big game. It'd only be bigger if, you know, the Jazz had their star player. Yeah, but even sweeter if they win then. Awesome if they win. And they shoot the three well enough, and they've been defending well enough. I can't rule it out. I certainly would not pick them. Wouldn't do it. Not doing it, but not ruling it out. Have a good night shooting the ball. They've been defending well. They can do this. They probably won't. But they can. It's not not out of the realm. It's a possibility. Suns are favored by three and a half points, and that indicates Vegas thinks it could also be done for all the aforementioned reasons. Mike Conley, hamstring tightness. Donovan Mitchell, Ankle sprain. They're out. Now, I'm going to assume Royce O'Neal is going to play, but he has been listed as questionable, so he might not. Obviously, if he doesn't play, the odds go way down. He's got right wrist soreness. So, there's that. Well, I think this is great news. Because? Because get the hamstring healthy for the playoffs and get Mm -hmm. the ankle healthy for the playoffs. I mean, this game, if you go to the conference finals, who's going to give crap about this game? Well, even even if you go to just because you go to the conference final doesn't mean the Suns will be there. If the, the Suns catch you, and you're the two seed, and you're yeah. playing the Clippers or the Nuggets in the second round, the Clippers uh, we'll get into this in a minute. But the the Clippers are barely in front of the Nuggets. Yeah. There's a chance the Suns, the Lakers, and the Clippers will all end up on the same side of the bracket. You play one of them in the conference final, and if it's the Clippers or Lakers, they have home court anyway. If you get there. You know, who's to say? Yeah, 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 I'm far more worried about them getting there than right. I am who has What happens when they get home. there, yeah. All right, Jazz will be right back at it Saturday night. This is a back-to-back. There aren't many left in the season, but they got one here. Jazz and Suns tonight, and then the Jazz and the Raptors tomorrow night. And that game will be at 8 o'clock as well. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Hardaway fakes the hand off the Brunson, circles right off of Powell. Chased by Jackson, crosses over for three. Hit it! 
Tim Hardaway with a career-high 42 to give the Mavericks a four-point lead. Porter steps right, fires three ball, good again! Number eight, 44 for KPJ. KD handling as we approach two minutes to go in the game. Takes it left, charging to the rim, and a two-hand slam for Kevin Durant. He's got 42. Highlights from the NBA. Some big performances. Shocking score of the night, Kevin Porter Jr. Fourth youngest NBA player all time to go for 50 points. Houston, worst team in the league, beats the Milwaukee Bucks 143-136. And PK, we can hang the old asterisk. Giannis Antetokounmpo sprained his ankle and left after one minute. But it's the Rockets. They're terrible. They've given up a lot of good players. Onto the Kempo, even without him, the Bucks scored 136 points. You can't be giving up 143. Come on, tighten up the act. What are you doing? Well, yeah, Porter Jr., he's had all sorts of disciplinary issues along the way in college uh, with Cleveland. Cleveland basically says, get out of here. But he's a wild talent now. You know, he played at SC, as USC, and so I know a little bit about him. His father was murdered when he was a boy, so obviously uh, that's, uh, I don't know how you come back from that, but uh, he's a wild talent, and he was one who was not in the lineup because he was with, uh, who was the other kid who got beat up out coming out of the club uh, for Houston, and neither of those guys played uh, when the Jazz played him. It was a couple of weeks ago. I guess it was just last week. Uh, but he's got a lot of talent, and so that's why he's going to get a lot of chances. And he, it was on display big time, 50 points. That's a heck of a scoring outburst for a 20-year-old. The Mavericks beat the Pistons 115-105. Tim Hardaway Jr., 42 points in that game. You heard the, the call there and the uh, montage of highlights the Yacht put together. And Dallas has a chance to catch the Lakers and get to five and put the Lakers in six. You know, that rearranges the playoff brackets and all that stuff and flips the possibilities of, uh, you know, who, which teams might square off in the first round. Uh, also a 42-point game from Kevin Durant. David Locke is going to come on at 8 o'clock and tell us, and that's why I've been telling you guys the Nets are going to win it all for a while. They have got so much talent. Durant's healthy. He goes for 42 points. Ten assists. He's keeping other guys involved, hitting the open guy and all that stuff. Nets crush the Pacers 130 130 to 111. Yeah, he's healthy now. Yeah, 130-113. Yeah, he's healthy now. We'll see if he stays healthy for two months of the playoffs. Well, that's the NBA. I mean, you can predict in the summer after all the moves are made who's likely to win. That's, I mean, that's no big, uh, outrageous, outlandish prediction. I think the Nets are really good. Uh, okay, well, it's because they got great, great players. Nuggets beat the Raptors 121-111. Jokic, 19 points and 11 boards for Denver. That game interesting for a couple reasons. One, the Raptors will be here to play the Jazz on Saturday. And then on the other end of the court, you got the Nuggets. And the Nuggets are fourth in the West. They're going to have home court advantage in the first round. They're 8-1 since Jamal Murray went down. I mean, that was it's a terrible injury. It's awful for him. And it's not been awful for the team yet. Maybe awful for the team in the playoffs, but... They've gone eight and one, and they are three and a half games behind the Jazz in that Northwest Division race, which I'm trying not to look at, but you demand that I watch it, so I've been following it. They're only a half game behind the Clippers in the race for third in the West. Way to go, Nuggets. Yeah. Look out. Here comes Denver. The Warriors lost to the Timberwolves, 126-114. Look at Minnesota go. Are they this year's Phoenix playing well at the end of the year? And then uh, some big offseason move that we can't predict right now and then 
Well, at least they feel good about themselves now. Ricky Rubio is making like five three-pointers, scored 26 points. So they got the win. Well, anytime Ricky Rubio makes five three-pointers, his team is undefeated. Because <laughs> he does a lot of other things very well. Shooting's not one of them. And if he has a hot night, whatever team he's on, they're very dangerous. The Warriors lose, and Steve Kerr lamenting a fundamental flaw in his and other teams. He told reporters, quote, This is the modern NBA. Guys don't box out. It's just the way it is. Every night on League Pass, I see the same thing. Players let guys come in from the weak side, and they think, I'll just get the rebound. It's a disease that's rampant in the NBA. The problem is, if you're a small team like us, then it's going to hurt you more than it'll hurt other teams. Well, with Wiseman out, but uh, he watches League Pass. I figured he had it locked down on MSNBC and CNN. Oh, I think he's probably got one of those uh, <laughs> setups like Donovan Mitchell had that we saw when he tweeted during a game. He's got the four TVs, so he's got his he's got his politics and his sports going simultaneously. Okay, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Swing and a fastball is rocketed out to right field. Punched deep and gone into the second row right over the leap of McCormick in right field. Taylor Trammell going deep. Curveball hit to right. Does this one have enough? It's hooking towards the pole. It's gone. Travis Shaw, two-run home run. The Brewers take a 2-0 lead on Bauer and the Dodgers. Mullins swings, hits it in the air, left center field. Hicks has got it. Urias coming. Throw to the plate. It is offline, and the Orioles win it on the sacrifice fly by Cedric Mullins. They take it in 10 by a final score of 4-3. to three. Highlights from Major League Baseball. You hear the Yankees losing to the Orioles on the walk-off sacrifice fly. Orioles win that 4-3. to three. The Yankees are tied with the Orioles for last place in the American League East, 11-14. They were the American League favorites, PK. And they're four and a half behind the Sox, tied for last place right now. Three games under 500. Real disappointing for the Yankees after 25 games. Okay, sure, yeah, I can agree with that. But, I mean, let's see what they are after 50 and 75 and so forth. The disappointment in L.A., it's been a rough week. The Dodgers... Lose to the Brewers 2-1. Travis Shaw with the two-run homer. All the runs the Brewers needed in that one. And the Dodgers are out of first place in the National League West. A half game behind the Giants, who had the day off. Giants are a half game up on the Dodgers, two and a half up on the Padres, who are only two games over 500 themselves. All true. Cubs are back, baby. Putting runs on the board, scoring them in bunches. They beat the Braves 9-3. They, like the Yankees, three games under 500, last place, 11-14. Is this the last ride for this gang? Are they going to break it up? I mean, they got the World Series, so I guess if they break it up, they've got that. They were hoping for multiple World Series. Well, that doesn't seem to be happening. But Well, if Russo keeps working on his curveball, and like he did against Freddie Freeman, you know, maybe he could be a surprise. For, oh, oh, Shohei Itani, forget him. I got Anthony Rizno. And your D-backs take down the hated Rockies. Does anything make you happier than watching Arizona defeat Colorado? Anything to get the Rocky announcers uh, Winning whining? the lottery, I think, probably would work. You don't play the lottery, so that's going to be hard to do. Okay. Well, there's a lot of things I could say, but I'm going to uh, let that, that go. That a kid. <laughs> Way to take the high road, PK. You're the man. Eduardo Escobar with a go-ahead triple. The most exciting play in baseball. What about the inside the park home run? Diamondbacks win 5-3. to three. 
Seattle, you say Kikuchi. Did I pronounce that even close to right? Seventh inning, had a no-no. And he lost it. But Seattle did beat Houston one to nothing. You nailed the pronunciation. As I won't do it again because I can't do it again. That was just luck. There's no talent there. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. PK loves it. We hate them. They hate us. The hate dialing back as Sporting Kansas City comes to town. The players have really loathed each other, have retired or moved on in one way or another. So we'll see if the rivalry stays as heated. RSL won the season opener in Minnesota. They got Sporting Kansas City at home. RSL, we didn't really see how much they can possess the ball and break down another defense, unlock them in the final third and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they hit on counterattacks in Minnesota, an open play there, and we may not have to against Sporting. Some teams just come in and sit and defend, but that's not really how Sporting plays. So there may be a, some opportunities to hit on the counterattack. We'll see how that goes. Sporting with a pretty good start to the year, one on the road in New York, although they did tie with Orlando at home. They got to draw on a pretty cool late goal by Orlando, so... Sporting KC looks good, not great. We'll see if uh, RSL can start 2-0. Only one team in the league has done that. and We'll see if RSL is able to pull it off. That's a noon game. That was beautiful, man, listening to you do all that stuff. You like that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like smoking a cigarette right now. (laughs) You don't smoke cigarettes and you don't play the lottery. But I love the way you've worked it here in this segment. This bodes well for the next two hours and 30 minutes of this show. I'm very excited. PK's on one, man. The brakes are off. That, that soapbox is coming down the hill. The that old was soapbox one of the best, best minutes of my life listening to you do that. <laughs> Smoke a cigarette. <laughs> now, if you're brand new to the show, you just moved into town a week ago. The stories we've heard about family members who smoked and how much it just bugs you to no end. The thought of you lighting up a Marlboro. Man. Yeah, but at a certain moment, you have to, and that's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, DJ and PK, we got David Locke coming up at 8 o'clock, Jazz and Sons. Uh, I expect David will be rolling when he gets in here, top of the 8 o'clock hour. And Kyle Whittingham, youth football coach, putting a wrap on spring football, the NFL draft, or the youths loaded for that next year. Uh, We'll get to a lot of stuff with Kyle coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dennis Dodd is with us from CBS Sports. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 Conference Commissioner search. How's it going? Yeah, it's not going well. They're screwing this thing up. I talked to a person yesterday that has intimate knowledge on the search, and it's a mess. They're considering having two commissioners, one that would deal with the ADs and one that would do more administrative stuff. Well, who do those people report to each other? I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I can come up with five very capable people off the top of my head right now that could do that job. Hire one of tomorrow and be done with it instead of this drama process, but the longer they go, the longer it looks like they're going to end up with another Larry Scott. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. All right, it's time for the question of the day. We got a two-parter. Obviously, Jazz and Suns massive game tonight. We've also got NFL draft to start with, to talk about. We'll get to the draft uh, in the next segment. Let's start with the Utah Jazz right now. 
First place is on the line when our Jazz meet the Suns. How much do you care? Now, PK, you posted this. And you went with our Jazz, but you didn't go with your Suns? Or my sister's Suns? I did not, know. Ah, a little disappointed by that. Your ability to stir the pot, though. I shouldn't question it. You're I have a been master. a Suns fan from time to time. I will. I don't have any problem admitting that. I've always rooted for players rather than teams. I think that made that abundantly clear. And so when they had uh, that, well, when I was living and working in California and they got uh, KJ and Tom Chambers and Hornacek and they upset the Lakers, you would have thought I was the biggest Suns fan. But, I mean, that's my personality, just to rub it into those guys because everybody I worked with, Laker fans, as you can imagine, that was in their heyday, right? So that was fun. And then I liked the Barkley time. Uh, I got I got no tight Arizona, but I've I've enjoyed watching Suns basketball. They've had entertain, entertaining teams over the years. There's no doubt yeah. about that, and they've had big personalities. And you absolutely and have tie me, you. Idiot. Well, now I do, but I didn't when I was rooting for them. <laughs> well, that's not what you said. You you spoke in the present tense. My bad. Learn your freaking grammar, you My idiot. My grammarian skills are somewhat <laughs> above average and mediocreish. So enjoy them. So here's the question. How much do you care about the one seed? That's really what it boils down to. It is, absolutely, All the yes. pronouns aside to stir it up and get people to laugh or whatever. Uh, how much do you care about the one seed? And Brad says, it's extremely important, exclamation point, the Jazz, all caps on Jazz, can really use home court throughout the playoffs, exclamation point. While I can't get nearly as worked up about this as he can, I don't think you can underestimate the importance of home court. Early in the year, the Jazz looked like a really good road team. They haven't looked that good as a road team lately, and they have remained a very good home team. So anything to do that gives you more home games and gives you home games earlier in a series, so you're out in front and putting the pressure on those guys, Assuming you win your home games, assuming. Uh, okay, that's a bonus. You know they're twenty six and four at home. They're nineteen and thirteen on the road. That's not an unusual distribution. You know to be really good at home and you know above five hundred on the road for a playoff team. So yeah, more home games. I I get that. Um, but the exclamation points and and the passion for it I just have a hard time buying off on that. Tanner Tanner goes the other way. Honestly, the two seed favors the Jazz assuming three through eight hold their seeds. But the one seed's all about pride. And I'm 90% of the way there with you, Tanner. The one seed is all about pride. The two seed favors the Jazz, assuming three through eight hold their seeds. Well, that's kind of empty because I don't assume they're going to hold their seeds. It's too close between three and four right now. It's a half game. And it's too close between five and six. So I don't see how you can predict which side of the bracket you want to be on when you don't know which side of the bracket the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Mavericks are going to be on. That seems like a fool's errand. seems impossible to predict now. I think all things being equal, the number one seed was important, but the dynamics of the situation have changed dramatically. And it was, uh, what, two weeks ago today, when uh, Donovan Mitchell, it was that day game, right? That, mm-hmm. that weird Friday afternoon game. And so he, when he went down and had to be helped off the floor, everything changed. Changed dramatically. 
and uh, Conley continues to feel some tightness in his hammy. He's a very important piece to any team, and obviously he's on this team, so he's a very important piece to this team. So none of that stuff that was important at this time two weeks ago and still is important, but it's not nearly as important as the health of the players. That's now what's most important. You have to factor that in. I was talking with Austin Horton yesterday. He was filling in, and, and uh, so he had me on. You know, the, I like to say, people say, well, the Jazz got the record, the number one, because they had the most health. Okay, that's true to an extent. And what you're saying is obviously the Clippers, they don't seem to be intent on playing their guys, particularly Leonard. Uh, a whole lot, and obviously Davis missed 30 games. LeBron, I think LeBron is coming back very, very soon, uh, and he's been out a good while. Okay, that's true that they didn't win games because of their health situation, but you won games not because of the health situation of the Lakers and Clippers, but because you're a really good team, because you're not playing them 25 times. You're, you're only playing them Together, you're playing them like six times, right? So you're not winning. You're not getting this great record because the other teams were injured. They're not getting the better record because they were injured. But it has little to do with your record, right? So the point I'm making is you've established a great record because you are a really good team. Doesn't matter what happened over here because you don't play them that much. It's not like baseball. You're playing these guys 18, 19 times in your division, conference, whatever it might be. They don't have conferences in baseball, but you get the point. So you have this great team. So what I'm saying is make the point I'm making is you already know you're a great team when healthy. So now you have to make sure in this remaining time of basically three plus weeks, four weeks before you start the playoff, that you get healthy. And if that means you lose a seat or two, well, that's the price you're going to have to pay. And then when the playoffs start, you can say to yourselves very easily, without stretch, when we had our guys, we were kicking butt in this league. And now we have our guys again. Yes, these other guys have their guys too, and they can say it too, but you can say it just as well. We've got our guys, and when we had our guys, we were really good. That's the utmost number one importance and the highest priority. So what the dynamics of this number one seed in the span of two weeks with injuries has for the Jazz has, tra- has changed dramatically. That's all true, and the one thing, not two, PK, not two things, not a couple. The one thing I would add to it is that every one of these teams can s- sit in the locker room, whether it's executive, coaches, players, all of them together – and say, if we're healthy, we got a chance to do this. If we're not, yeah, we're yeah. done real quick. And Possibly, that's true. Yeah. If you're not healthy, you're going to get knocked out pretty quick. The West is too deep. Somebody's going to be healthy. And if you're not, and they are, regardless of who, who you and they are, you're in trouble. If the Lakers are hurt and the Jazz are healthy, the Lakers are in trouble. But if the Jazz are hurt and the Lakers are healthy, the Jazz are in trouble, and you can run through every combination. I, I love what the Nuggets are doing right now. I'm really impressed they're 8-1 and one without Murray, but I got my doubts how far they're going in the playoffs. It's, I think it's going to show up. Well, you're playing much better competition at exactly. that point. And even in the first round, you're playing decent competition, most likely. Certainly in the second round, we all agree on that. That you're right, and I can't speak to what the East is. I don't pay a whole lot of attention there. But the West, 
I, I obviously obsess over it. And once you get in that second round, so yeah, losing a, uh, you know, I could say a star player, maybe not a super elite player, but Murray's a star on that team, and, and him being out and Barton being out, that that's going to impact that team, no question about it. I wouldn't throw in the towel, though, on anybody uh, on a singular injury, like for tonight. I'm not throwing in a towel. I realize it's going to be much more difficult to win without those two. You're starting backcourt, two all-stars, very good players, blah, blah, blah. But you can still have other guys. Kevin Porter Jr. can go off for 50. I mean, who's to say these other guys that the Jazz have? Because they've got shooters. Clarkson can go for 35. He could. You never know with him. Yeah. If if any of these guys, look at Niang getting locked in. And I think that most of the year people would have said he's the ninth guy in the rotation. But he got locked in in Minnesota, and he changed the game in a heartbeat. Could have, could have been the reason they won. he's been playing very, very well. I know. You can see it in his confidence. I'm a big body language guy, and you can see it out on the floor. And it's very easy to see in basketball because it's condensed. They don't have on equipment that uh, obscures them and whatnot. And you could, you, you, could, you could literally see something that's impossible to see, so maybe literally isn't the right word. But you can see Niang exuding confidence now that he didn't have. And he's become a, a productive NBA player. And in the limited opportunity beyond the regular minutes that he gets, he's done very well. So there's been times where he started or receives more minutes because of the situations with injuries. And in those situations, he's done well. And so he's done well overall, but he doesn't get as many minutes when everybody's together, right? So step him up on the basically the hierarchy, the ladder of playing time, and he's done well. So that's why I give this team a chance. And then when, you, when you're dealing with basketball, too, you know, shooting, a booker can go 5 for 20. Uh, you know, he doesn't do it a lot. He's a very good player or whatever. Anything can happen here. Somebody can get in foul trouble. So it's not an impossible task as far as that goes. And from the Jazz perspective, there's no reason why you're not playing super loose. I mean, you're not expected to win. You've got the two critical components, two all-stars who aren't playing. You take two all-stars off any team, they're not going to be as good. That's obvious as could possibly be. So there's no reason why this Jazz team doesn't come in and is totally loose and just playing and trying to have fun. And, you know, and, and you still have Gobert, who is a dominant force there. And I think they got a shot to win, but I'm not going to go crazy if they don't. Because uh, the most important thing now is to secure health. That has overtaken anything, really in my mind, anything relative to the standings. At this point, I can't say that I don't care completely because a drop in the standings can make the task more difficult. I understand all that. But so be it and not at the expense of health. Yeah, I don't know how much more difficult it's going to make it. It it certainly could make it more difficult. I can't argue that. Um, but you know, you, when you drop from one to two, I don't know what it's going to do to the pairings because these other races for you know between the third and fourth teams and the fifth and sixth teams are close. So I can't tell you what it's going to do for pairings. 
I think it'll be difficult regardless of who they're playing. And I don't know that the home court's going to matter with the Suns because I'm certainly not going to guarantee you that the Jazz and the Suns meet in the Western Conference Finals. The only thing I'll guarantee you is if the Jazz and the Suns do meet in the Western Conference Finals, I want to know who's taking down the Lakers and who's taking down the Clippers and how entertained have I been by the last month of basketball. Well, one would take down one, and then one would take down the other. You would think, right. Each, unless there was a 3-6. Or the, do the Nuggets take somebody out in the first round and then lose in the second? You know, I don't know. I just think I would be wildly entertained by whatever happened in the Western Conference playoffs leading up to a Jazz Suns Conference final. Nothing is worth sacrificing health. And what's the difference, man? If, you, if you're obsessed with the standings, then that tells me you don't really believe in the talent of this team. That's a, that's a straight line I can draw. Okay, so, and I would agree with you most of the time, but how about you're not 100% positive about the talent of this team relative to the competition you're going to face this year? You may well, have a confidence matter? that says, we're really pretty good, but I don't know if we're good enough. Then what does it matter? What the hell that's the different are? Than, that's different than, well, that's, <laughs> that's different than, I just don't think this team is very good. Well, it's just, no, it is, but it's not much different. It's uh, different, I'll, I'll grant you, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's that different. See, I believe in the talent of this team. Well, I think all of this, what underlies most, what most people listening to this are thinking is, well, they were number one for so long, I really, I bought into them as the top team in the West. Or, I didn't buy into them as the top team in the West, but my family and friends and coworkers all did, and it's all I've been hearing, and I can't wait to see how this plays out, but even though I'm pretty sure they're going to lose. It's not buying into whether they're the best in the West, it's buying into whether they're a great team. The standings don't matter that much when the playoffs start, when you're going up against that particular opponent. Yeah, the nature of the playoffs really changes the nature of preparation and the nature of these games. You're, you're so much better prepared in the playoffs. This is, uh, this is it, it wasn't a new thought when Stockton was putting, you know, Stockton didn't like to tell you much about anything because he was afraid he was giving away an edge. That kind of underlied everything he did. But he would tell you, don't, don't look at how we matched up at the team in the regular season. It doesn't matter who won two out of three or three out of four, but back then four out of five or whatever. The preparation's different. Somebody's traveling and somebody's back-to-back and you didn't get to watch that much video. And after In a two-week series, you don't have very many days in before you know everybody's plays and they know all of yours and the game's really different. So the game, the game will be really different. It always is different. It's just the way yeah, it, it is. It comes down to do you believe in their talent? And I believe they believe in their talent, which is the most important thing. <laughs> and do they... Do they play to the level of that talent? Because if they play at the level of that talent, they're going to be a tough out. Are they going to win it all? I don't know. Probably wouldn't bet on it, but I'm not going to discount it either. Why why, why would I discount it? It's hard to bet against the Jazz or pick against the Jazz when they're shooting the three with confidence and shooting it well. We have seen them just annihilate teams, and that will happen to playoffs. So the question becomes, well, how often can you do that? You got to do it four times in two weeks, and you got to win four out of seven. And the people who are picking against him just don't think they're going to be able to sustain that shooting against the best defenses in the league. And Locke's going to come in and tell us in 15 minutes they can do it against the Lakers if they're in transition, but are they going to be able to do it the Lakers if they're locked down in a half court? You know, those those small things matter, and those are the little things Quinn keeps talking about. 
when he says we got to be playing our best ball. I think they can because I believe in their talent. That's the bottom line for me. Others can think differently, but I believe in their talent. David Locke is coming up in about 15, 20 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, your evaluations of the first round of the draft and the prospects of Aaron Rodgers being traded or not. We will get to that coming up. Stay with us. I don't think there's a better place to play. You know, I'm so excited to be there, to be a part of that team, that culture, that fan base. It's going to be it's going to be extraordinary. Yeah, you know, I would really say the emotions that went into getting picked. You know, obviously, I had a pretty good idea. I wasn't certain if I was going to get picked by the Jets, but I think the emotions that went into it, just how excited I was to be in that situation and, and hugging both of my parents and my siblings and, and kind of just saying, you know what, you know, we made it. You know, how amazing is this? And, and then thinking forward, you know, how can we get to the next step? You know, this is a stepping stone for what's to come. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sales going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision to Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. That was Zach Wilson, as expected, number two to the Jets. PK, you lived back there. Forget the football. Forget whether they improve his offensive line, and we'll get to the people who are happy that the Jets address that later in the first round. Forget the receivers, the coach, the second-year GM, the first-year coach, and all that. New York's got its own vibe, and it can get really intense. And there's a lot of people. So when they start making noise, they make a lot of noise. Do you think he's set up to handle all the -the off-the-field stuff that comes with New York? That's inevitable. Yeah. I absolutely I do because you listen to him speak and you watch him watching the draft and all that stuff and we've seen him now for a few years and I got to admit I'm biased I have a connection to the school uh, not BYU but the high school I've heard about him for a long time I've talked to people who know him a thousand times better than I do because I don't really know him at all I don't know he would he would have no clue who I am uh, but I know folks who know him and I've been hearing about him now for. F- Five years, <laughs> literally. And if you look and listen to him, and I went back and I and I, I we got on the Jet, Jets website and he did the 10-minute thing. I listened to all of that last night, all that stuff. You really have to believe he grades out as an A because he handles everything. The media throws at him, and he just handles it so stinking well. It's really amazing, that part. So it's going to be tied to production, obviously. You've got to produce. You can be the greatest dude in the world, but if you don't produce, it doesn't really matter. So I think he has an understanding of all this stuff. He's so good on his feet, on the football field and off the field. It boils down to, is his skill set good enough? He's a football junkie. I'm really excited for his future to see what he can do. I think he's going to succeed. I can't guarantee it. Because uh, so many factors go into it. If you would have told me John Beck was out of the league in five years and I don't think he ever won a game, I would have said no way. Because I, mean, I think the world of John, too. Uh, but with that in mind, see what he does out on the field. But I think all the other stuff, I think he's mastered. You know, Because it's not like uh, th- this season here was, was pretty well good, right? I mean, they're, they're everything except for one game, they... Then we know they had to get on the plane, do all that stuff, and prepare in a half a day, whatever. But before that, you know, that sophomore season was a bunch of ups and downs. And I like the way he played, the way he played it. And the more difficult it got, from what I understand, for people telling me, the harder he worked. 
So that's going to go a long way. Keep it real. And a good thing about Zach from the Jets' perspective is there's going to be no nonsense. He's coming in here to play football and win games. That's the point, right? So you don't have to, like, well, he's the Mormon Manziel, you know. Well, obviously Johnny had all sorts of other issues, right? You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. That He's going to be there to play football. So I'm really excited to follow him to see what he can do. And it is in my homeland because the, 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 the team headquarters in Florham Park, which is five minutes away from where I grew up. So I feel like, in, in a sense, I have a connection, even though I don't really have a connection because I can't claim that I was ever a Jets fan. I don't think that in 1969 I was running around just going crazy. In fact, I guarantee you I wasn't going. Hmm. I don't even remember <laughs> the, Jets. <laughs> the Jets winning it all, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I've certainly uh, have uh, heard about it a million times over, but I don't remember it at all. And uh, so I can't claim that I have this long legacy of being connected to the Jets. I have plenty of family members who are actually some of your season ticket holders and all that stuff. But I think that everything he has, everything he needs to be successful, he has. Whether he could do it or not, you know, I can't guarantee it. Uh, everything he has includes an organization around him. And I think we saw with the Alex Smith story. And I know Cougar fans aren't going to want to hear or you know, you fans aren't going to want to hear it. But you know, Cougar fans didn't want to hear it when we said it about Alex Smith. You know, he had defensive-minded coaches. He, was going, he didn't have enough talent around him. He was going through a new offensive coordinator every year. You know, when he got the right people around him, Alex played football at a pretty high level. But, man, that wasn't really on display those first three, four, maybe even five years, Try whatever it was. Years. Was it seven? Yeah, you're the Niner fan. You'll tell me. Yeah. It, it wasn't on display at the start. And I wonder because— But it wasn't it, on him, though. Ultimately, it was not, but I, it felt like it was at the time. I'm sure I don't it think felt anybody like was saying he was a bust along the way. Yeah, now, the oh, problem they were. with that, yeah, absolutely. Well, they no, were. no, they were. No, I disagree. I disagree. I don't think there was because the problem is you get compared to who went after you. Yeah, you do. That tr- that's also true. And, and Aaron Rodgers. The, the Aaron Rodgers story right. is now legend yeah. of him sitting there. They used to call it the green room. I don't know what they call it anymore. But he sat there to what, 24? Was that when? Yeah, yeah. And he just did a slow burn the whole time. And then he gave it Right, right. And and they put the (laughs) camera on him. Yeah, and and Aaron Rodgers scored like 5,000 on his SAT, so he's as smart as can possibly be. Uh, So if Aaron Rodgers had gone second or third, maybe still, because the fact that he he stayed there all that time, I think that's part of it. And And that's legitimate. Uh, knock against you if it comes to that, right? Because we go back and we redo these drafts. Yep. And we do it. There's one dude so that actually redoes it and then tries to say he had it. I think he got busted on that. Hey, oh. But, but, but we go back and Hi, we Chad. look at the. We go back and we look at these drafts. And should they have drafted this player, this player, this player? So there's an enormous amount of pressure on Zach Wilson because there were quarterbacks taken after him, you know, and if any of them blow up. And Justin Fields, some people had Justin Fields number two, right? And the Niners, they're going to face it again because they took Lance, and Justin Fields obviously was still available. What did he go, 11? He did. He went 11 to the Bears. They traded up. And and if if Bill Belichick hits with the 15th pick and, you know – Turns out Alabama had the best quarterback. Then everybody gets. Well, all I'm going to say about that young man is watch out for MJ. Nice. 
That's Mac Jones, people. Not Michael Jackson, not Michael Jordan. Or Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, another. (laughs) If you're MJ, you better be something special. (laughs) Parents gave me the wrong wrong first name. Got it? You know what Mac's short for, right? What is it short for? McCorkle. Mac is better. Yes. We got a lot of people weighing in here on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. You can hit us up on the Jazz and Suns. You can hit us up on what you thought of the first round of the draft. Mark pumps the Jets up. He says, I like that uh, they got help to protect Wilson later in the first round. They did. The kid at SC, yeah. Uh, Josh says, roll tide and Justin Fields to the Bears makes me happy. Uh, Matt adds, hey, it might be cool to admit I'm a Bears fan again. They've had a defense. If they get an offense, look out. Uh, well, I don't know that it's been that bad for the. Uh, they've gone two eight and eights and a twelve and four. So they're not. It's not the Jets here, right? Exactly. It isn't. Absolutely agreed. Um, Ron says I was impressed that both the second and third overall picks were from FCS teams. Boom. He wanted to add a boom of his own. Uh, Ron, you, you know, as a, a great orator once said to me, Ron, stick it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> David Locke is coming up next. <laughs> Ron's a hardcore listener. He just dropped a boom in there because he's, he's heard all the ad libs. He knows. He's right. Well, I heard one guy say, well, the knock against Wilson, he's played a D2 schedule almost. <laughs> D2? Is that where we're at now? No. Somehow we just totally dismissed Boise and Central Florida? There were a lot of group of five teams. There were no D2 teams. (laughs) And the thing is, I'm relatively sure all these NFL teams were checking out the tape to see how he looked against Tennessee and USC. You know, there there was plenty of tape of other games that he played well in to check out. Oh, for sure. You know? So, all right, DJ and PK, when we come back, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us. Kyle Whittingham, Ute football coach at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Jazz and the Suns tonight. A little luster off the big game as we see the Jazz injury report. Nonetheless, a big game. And David Locke joins us now. David, David. Is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Apparently better than several key members of the Utah Jazz basketball team. I'm feeling pretty good. I didn't see the latest injury report. Mike Conley, out. Hamstring tightness. Donovan Mitchell, out. Ankle sprain. Royce O'Neal, questionable. Right wrist soreness. Um, Yeah, I wonder why I didn't get that last night. Hmm. Um, Oh, there it is. It came in. Madeline said it. Like she always does. She's the best. Welcome back, Madeline. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I actually could make a really strong argument. You should rest everyone tonight. Sit down, Rudy, and duplicate that Laker game? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, with the injury situation we have right now, I think you're playing to try to not end up being three or four. And... You've got a four-game edge on the loss column on those two teams. You've got ten games left. If you can find a way to go five and five, the Clippers would have to go nine and zero or eight and zero, 
and Denver would have the tiebreaker against you probably, so they could go eight and they would have to go seven and two, which is possible. Um, yeah, they might actually have to go eight and one. So I mean, I, I don't know how we go five and five the rest of the way with you know part, only part of our roster and not getting to play Sacramento every night. Um, but if we can find a way to do that, that seems to me more important and reasonable right now than grabbing the one seed when you don't have either of your starting guards for a while. Yeah, wouldn't it be easy if you didn't get the one seed? Just say, well, we had injuries at the end. Health is more important. So that's the decision we had to make. So be it. Let's play ball when we get to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, my feeling on this entire season and the uniqueness um, of this season is that the injuries have actually dictated just about everything, right? I think the Jazz have had the number one seed because they handled health and safety protocols as well as they did and had no injuries. And the Suns have the two seed because they were, this for up to the moment, the second best probably at handling that. And now um, they've been the best. Um, they avoided the Devin Booker Chris Paul injury here down the stretch. And so now suddenly they'll probably be the one seed. Then I think you have Clippers, Denver, and the Lakers who all, and the Mavericks who've all been struck by injuries or the COVID protocol in different manners that have dictated the, the route of their season. And Michael Porter Jr. I think had COVID twice. Um, Dallas had a month where they lost their entire team. LeBron and AD go out for the Lakers and, you know, the Clippers have been at, not been at uh, Mr. Baca for much of the year. And I don't think they've had a lot of COVID problems, but and now they have a, the Kawhi Leonard thing seems, I could be totally wrong. I'm not, I'm totally making this up in my head, but like the guys played one game in a month. It was 22 minutes and it's a foot injury. feels like it's a lot more than just the old Kawhi Leonard management going on in LA right now. So I know that for some of the people, uh, they want the one seed because they want home court advantage and all that. But I think a lot of jazz fans have been looking at this thinking there are teams, the jazz match up better or worse against and who can they avoid and as much as I like to play that game and find it entertaining, I don't even want to begin to play it now because with the Nuggets in fourth, a half game behind the third-place Clippers, and with the Mavericks in sixth, the game behind the fifth-place Lakers, I can't begin to project which of these teams is going to end up on which side of the bracket. So how do you know which side the Jazz should end up on? I find it completely futile. Are you playing that game, or do you find it completely useless? Um, I'm finding it completely completely useless. I, I don't know if the Jazz still do it. I know when Corey Jazz former jazz um, analytics guy who's now with the Austin football club. He actually used to be able to run models that kind of would be able to give you a percentage chance of, of where everybody was. Um, and you could kind of figure these things out based on that. Um, those models that he had are probably way more sophisticated than the ones that are on basketball reference or 538. Those are pretty faulty right now because they think Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are healthy and that the jazz will continue to play the rest of the season in the manner by which they've played the first seventy game or sixty games, so that those are, you know, those don't really have a lot of credence to them. Um, so, you know, early on we held these conversations. I thought the one seed was really important. Um, I still stick to that a little bit in the sense that um, you get the most rest. You're playing the least good team. You're guaranteed home court. The scenario where the two seed still plays along is that Portland has. When we talked about that, Portland was playing really well, and they were getting Nurkic back. And my feeling at the time was that there were seven elite teams in the West or seven teams that could really cause you a lot of problems in the West. And I think that number might be down to six unless Portland, you know, Terry's a great coach, but they just seem to be off. Um, 
and Nurkic's return has not made them better. And Norman Fowler, who I thought was an incredible acquisition, hasn't seen to make them better. Um, so something's not quite right there. They haven't played well, and they're not as terrifying. And frankly, I think, you know, could probably actually lose to Memphis on a given night. Um, so seven right now after Golden State's loss last night seems to be Portland or Memphis <clears throat> and doesn't seem as daunting. And so then if you're two, you have home court versus three. And then, frankly, if the Lakers get through – at four, or excuse me, at five, then you're back to home court advantage the whole way. So the two seed does not seem as bad a deal as I thought it was going to be a month ago when I thought it was going to be, you know, Portland in the first round with Dame on fire and everything else, and um, that doesn't seem to be the case right now. So I do think the three seed seems pretty daunting to me, right? I I think we'd really struggle in a seven-game series to beat Luka. Um, We just can't guard him. And then Chris Daps brings Gobert out, so that makes it hard. And then we're leaving Dorian Finney-Smith open. We've seen that game. Like, it's hard. Um, so that's a really hard series for us. And they're really good, and they've, you know, they're better than the record. So I would like to avoid three if all possible. But I, I don't know that that is that possible right now. I think, you know, if we don't have Don and Mike for a while, like, it's going to be a real task for us to win a lot of basketball games. We don't, we don't get Sacramento every night. And, you know, we saw Minnesota's above 500 team with their guys healthy and we, you know, struck, we played them tight, but couldn't, couldn't get them with Mike. So um, I think it's going to be tough. You say without those guys for a while, what in your mind is a while? Well, what do we got left? Nine games. We're playing ten. so many games, right? Ten, We're playing ten. four games in seven, five, in six days every week. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any idea. Well, so I mean, my I, point, my point is, though, like, I don't think when we're do you seeing, think they like, need to be back? Let me make back. sure this is – yeah, I don't, think, like, I don't think we're seeing them, like, Saturday or Monday or anything right, like that. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I think – and then, you know, I kind of think once you push to the fifth, you're probably pushing to the ninth. Okay, so is that – how much time do you think they need? Not to be injured, uh, but to be in ready to, be to ready, go for the postseason. I think the, I think the week of the postseason should be enough. Okay. But, you know – you finish Sunday, right? You don't. If you're the two seed, you probably don't play till. At the earliest, you play Saturday. You likely play Sunday, considering the fact that the, one of the team, the team you're playing, had to play on. Well, they only have to play on Tuesday or Wednesday, so you could probably play Saturday if TV wants you to. Playing games are going to be so great. I can't wait. This is such, they've done such a great job with us. This is it's a lot of complaints is, about them. You think this is going to stick and last with these playing games or no? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I don't even know where the complaints are coming from and what they're based on. I actually don't hear it at all. I'm like, it's like well, the loudest one was the loudest one was Mark Cuban and some matters. Right. Okay. So Mark Cuban complained with no basis to his argument other than I'm in seventh and I don't want to be in seventh. <laughs> I haven't heard him complain since he's in sixth. It's incredible. Yeah, well, that is the complaint. You, yeah, that is the right, complaint. Okay, so, like, great. Selfishly, Mark Cuban went and complained. Great. Okay, move on. Like, what's next? Like, there's no complaint. This is incredible. Like, the Warriors played the Timberwolves last night in a game that would just never have mattered for one instance. Got pretty big ramifications on the playoff race. Boston <clears throat> played Charlotte the other night in while Miami was playing San Antonio, and, like, I'm listening to the Boston broadcast, and they're doing the same thing we are, following everything with Miami, because they're battling for six while simultaneously kind of looking at four, but really making sure that they're not seven. Like, it's great. The problem with it being... We've created a race for one, and we've always had a race for one. We've always had a race for two. You've always had a race for four, right? And then we had a race for eight, which no one cared about. 
We now have a race for one. We have a race for two. We have a race for four. We have a race for six. We have a race for eight. And we have a race for ten. So Washington at 28 and 34 deserves to be in a race? Sure. Absolutely. It adds entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and they're playing well at the end of the season. They they have just the validity to me as, as you know, the seven or eight seed. Like, I, I, I just don't like. I guess the only argument against the playing game is that somehow you're hurting the seventh or eighth seed, who mm-hmm. in the traditional form would have earned themselves the right to play five playoff games and get beat. So, great, be the six seed. Okay, like but I just think you're like, not watering I, I just down. Don't hear that. You're not watering down and already watering that water down. So oh, I mean, certainly these are probably teams that aren't going to win the championship. But if like we're worrying about watering down, then let's just play the first only. Let, like if we're worrying about watering down, then let's just have four playoff teams from each conference that have a chance to win the championship. We've already watered it down, right? Yeah, like we always yeah. have three or four teams in the playoffs that don't have a chance to win a championship. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we went 16 out of 30, right? Like that's pretty yeah, watered yeah. down. What's the difference between 20 out of 30? Yeah, I just think I you've added an element of interest. And frankly, you know, I thought like we've eliminated tanking to a decent amount with between this and the lottery. Denver's whole shenanigans of the year ago where they started playing around with who they wanted to play was not a good look for the league. You've eliminated that. <clears throat> and so I think it's great. I mean, I've, I've heard there was an interesting proposal that because of the playing game, the eighth seed, the number one seed should be able to choose their opponent, which I think is interesting. The, the only thing I don't actually like about the playing game is preparation is a disadvantage to the one seed. So I think, if I understand the schedule in the playing game, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday they'll play those first matchups, and then Wednesday and Thursday they'll play the final matchups. So the number one seed doesn't actually know their opponent until either Wednesday or Thursday night and only gives them two nights to prepare before they play. That's a little bit of a disadvantage to the one seed. Yeah. That's the only thing about this that I don't think is great. So the argument there could be that the one seed decides, you know, we're we're just going to choose our opponent and start prepping beforehand. And then based on what happens on the first night, they limit that list down and then they choose their opponent. Yeah, I mean, that would make it a little bit better. It would actually add some drama and then you could play the whole card of like, oh, they chose them. Um, but I, I think this is outstanding. I think it's, it's, I think it's actually added intrigue in a league that has got injury issues. Um, it allows for a team like Washington. I actually think Washington's a good story of why it matters. Like Washington in years past would have pulled the plug and tanked the season. Instead, they get some injuries. They get COVID. They got crippled by COVID early and they end up actually, you know, now getting hot and they're making a playoff run. And they're like, like, that's a pretty interesting, like they could very easily win the nine, 10 game and maybe the, Seven, eight game. The one thing I think that people haven't taken in enough on this play-in is so assuming that seven, eight, and nine, ten are all pretty even, which by records they are. The chances of making the playoffs from the seven, eight seed is seventy-five percent. The chances of making the playoffs from the nine, ten is twenty-five percent. So being eight versus being nine is a pretty dramatic difference. And I do think is not, you know, is really not discrediting seven and eight as much as everybody says. I also think that uh, to channel one Patrick Kinahan and something he has told us many times because he doesn't think we remember that it's true. It's all about the money, and I think behind the scenes, any owner is looking at GM and coach saying, "Get me one more home game. It's a playoff game." 
even if you don't fill the arena in some of these places, it's got to be worth a million bucks, right? In some places, it's probably worth more than that. Depends on your market and how many luxury suites and bunker suites and all that stuff. But it's uh, any chance you have to play another one, two, three playoff games, they are, the owners are going to be all about it. That's a lot of money. Oh, I think I could take it further than that. I think. Don't you think Washington sells more season tickets because they made the play-in game with a charge at the end of the year? Sure, that's another don't, thing. Don't you think, that's like, another thing to lob on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, like Charlotte right now is an eighth in the playoff seed. Like, yeah, what it does you know, corporate sponsorships and signage for right? the next year. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's a. I think that's a really big one. Chicago, frankly, stayed relevant. You know, made that trade and has stayed relevant for much longer in the season. Otherwise, they're probably out of it at this point. Down, you know, two two back with 10 to play, but maybe, you know, who knows, like if they can get Zach Levine out of protocol, um, you know, I think you've, you've Memphis. I think you've got that fan base very much engaged where right now you're battling for an eight, nine spot. I actually think it sounds more fun to battle for a playing spot. And then, and I think the games are going to be incredible. Like Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal with yeah, one and done. Power. Like the league needs one and done. I was intrigued the other night when I saw Ilya Sova and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. It was a little bit of a tease. You mean the world's cha- least athletic, long athletic lineup the Jazz ever put out in the history of the NBA? No, I'm just kidding. You think you see, see a little was? bit more of it or no? Well, didn't they have Ilya Sova, Boyan, and Joe all out on the floor at the same time? I don't remember who the other guys were. I think yeah, that, I think you're right. I'm 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 not positive, but I think you're right. I think we had a lineup at one point of Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Ursan Elisova, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert, and went on like a twenty-one to two run. Now we were playing, you know, Sacramento, but yeah, no, I think that was like the longest, least athletic lineup we could possibly put on the floor. Um, I think Elisova is the next step in the rotation for the playoffs. You know, like we've had me only playing that kind of extra role when anyone's out. Yeah. Um, and I think Ilya Silva just with 13 year veteran and length and um, there were two or three rebounds last night, that night that he got that I just don't think other, you know, he actually gets cause he's just got a seven, one wingspan. Um, so I think that you, I think he'll be a, I think he's a rotation, you know, he's a, one step off the rotation possibly in the playoffs too. And I also think there's a chance that in certain matchups at the right time, you might decide to play him at center in the playoffs. But if someone's really playing this aggressive style of defense and getting up on our body and um, doing all the things they've been doing to us that have caused us problems and we're just really forced into a drive game, then you might play Ilya Silva for a few minutes at center instead of favors to widen out the floor. Hmm. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, the injuries with these guys. Uh, I've got the schedule here. I thought when Donovan was down, that was probably a two-week uh, deal. So today is two weeks. It's literally 14 days from when he got hurt against Indiana. If he's out a third so I'm not, week... I'm, wait, I, I just want to make sure... Be, uh, I'm Hopefully you and I have known each other for 25 years and you're not going to get mad at me for this. Um, I just think this gets dangerous because I think fans hear this and then they think that well, it should have been two weeks. Like, what did you base that on? Other ankle injuries and ankle injuries I've had and how long I've seen guys out. It's not medically uh, sound at all. I get that. Okay. And they're not going to tell us. 
Um, So what I wanted to get at is there's this back to back and what you said about, I assume, which, you know, for, for all the information I got, they could announce he's playing tomorrow night. I don't have any idea. Okay. But if he's out another week and it's a three week deal and they brought him back, um, and he had the five games before you have basically another week off. Is that enough? Because I've been pounding this drum about the Lakers, that the Lakers need some time playing together if they're really going to be the defending champs and the Lakers. So I'm wondering, well, if I'm going to hold the Lakers to that standard, am I going to hold the Jazz to that standard? How much time do they need together? And, you know, another week, if it turns out to be a three-week injury, and if he misses the Denver game on Friday, May 7th, but they brought him back on Saturday the 8th, he wouldn't have to play a back-to-back, neither would Conley if he came back, and I don't know what the status of his hamstrings are. But that'd be five games together. Is that enough in your mind, or do you start worrying about, hey, they're not going to get to play that much. They're going to be out a long time. Um, I think they've played together, and the issue that's different with the Lakers is they added Andre Drummond. And so they're actually playing a different, that's actually a different team. Mm-hmm. And so they have to figure out how to play together. I also think LeBron is like, you know, one of the five straight smartest players to ever play the game. I don't know who the other four are. Um, and so I don't think it really matters because once LeBron comes back, everything's okay. Um, you know, they have just a bigger problem. They can't figure out how to use Andre Drummond, Montrezl Harrell, and Marcus Sol and what they're doing in which they fit into. Um, and then I think they have another little like issue. So LeBron comes back, and I'm assuming Kuzma goes to the bench, and they're starting Schroeder, Pope, LeBron, Davis, and Drummond. Pretty damn good. And then, you know, what's the rest? It's Morris, Harrell. Is it Morris, Gasol? And then I'm guessing Kuzma takes Tucker and McLemore's minutes, and then that's it. That's just their rotation. They've basically played together. They're probably fine. I think Wesley's you know, unfortunately on his last legs and Mark is pretty close. So I'm not too worried about the Lakers. And then from our standpoint, I wouldn't be that worried other than the historical pattern of Quinn Snyder jazz teams don't do particularly well off layoffs. Um, and so this would be extensive layoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just don't know much of anything on where Donovan's rehab is, but I'm not as optimistic as you are on how long that injury was going to be and how soon we were going to see him. I mean, I, you know, there's, for all we know, there's also a moment in this time where you just say we're getting him ready for the playoffs. All right, we'll leave it right there. Bunch of maybes. And we'll see how this plays out going forward. Jazz and Suns tonight. He's David Locke. He's going to be on the call at 8 o'clock. The pregame show starts at 7. And it's the same timeline for the Saturday night game with Toronto at home. 7 o'clock pregame, 8 o'clock on the tip. David, we look forward to hearing you uh, yell and scream with the Booner. All right, sounds good. Talk All to right. you. DJ and PK, Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, is coming up at the top of the hour. Stay with us. The Big Show Big show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dennis Dodd is with us from CBS Sports. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 Conference Commissioner search. How's it going? Yeah, it's not going well. They're screwing this thing up. I talked to a person yesterday that has intimate knowledge on the search, and it's a mess. They're considering having two commissioners, one that would deal with the ADs and one that would do more administrative stuff. Well, who do those people report to each other? I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I can come up with five very capable people off the top of my head right now that could do that job. Hire one of tomorrow and be done with it instead of this drama. 
drawn out process, but the longer they go, the longer it looks like they're going to end up with another Larry Scott. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought you a part by Minky Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever that's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy or staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. You can get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at minkycouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, we just heard from David Locke and uh, PK just really down on the health of the Jazz here, and so maybe more shorthanded than I would have expected over the final 10 games of the season. Donovan Mitchell's been out... Two weeks, but uh, Davis seems to think it'd be a little more and is actually worried about slipping to third and fourth. That part of it, I actually had considered. It is just not that far back to third and fourth right now. Well, a lot of things to digest in what he was saying, and so injuries being what they are, they suck for every, everybody who has them, just the way it is. But the thing that I liked, that I took encouragement from, was that he feels like, all right, the time remaining plus – these several days until you start the postseason, that gives you time to really get healthy. So you go into the postseason healthy. That's good news. The bad news is you're going to slip into standings, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, that's bad news. It's, it's happening. I mean, yeah. So it's probably yeah. going to happen unless they can do some stuff we don't know that they are can do and surprises and. Hopefully that can happen, too, to an extent. But the point being, you need these two dudes healthy. And if you've got to keep them out the whole way, plus those extra days that you get, all right, as Donovan once said, all right, (laughs) that's the most important thing. You tell me today, this ball club, 1 through 9, 10, it's rotation that they've had for all these months. It is healthy and ready to go. I take it. That's the most important thing. And if the chances of that are good, then that's great news. I don't know if they are good. We'll see in the coming weeks and days and all that stuff if they are. But if they are, that's great news because this team's really good when it's healthy. You can't disagree with that. I'm not so concerned. If you're concerned about Dallas in the first round and you're not sure they're going to get out of the first round, then what's the difference of worrying about the second or third round? If Dallas is going to beat you, your season's done, and you weren't that good, right? It, It was somewhat of a mirage. I don't believe that. I don't believe that it was a mirage when they're all healthy. I believe it was legit. They're going to have to play well. It's the playoffs. You should have to play well. You shouldn't have an easy thing in the playoffs. And I and I know it is watered down and they want to make money. Great. Everybody wants to make money. That'll never stop. But I'm a sports fan. I'm not a money fan from, from the NBA. I, if Mark Cuban makes more money like he needs more money. I, mean, I don't care about that. I care about competition. And you should have competition in the postseason. That's the one reason why I'm against. Not, not. I can't say I'm against. It's the one reason I'm not sure about these play-in things. I need to see more of it. 
last year in the bubble and all that stuff. That We'll never see that again, hopefully. So I need to see more of it. But I don't know that a team that finishes five games under five hundred deserves to be in the playoffs. That's just me. Others can disagree. But the Jazz, when healthy, are a really good team. Tell me today they will be healthy that May 22nd, 23rd, whatever that is, and I sign off of it, sign off on it, and whoever they play, that's who they play. Well, teams five games under 500 do don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I thought Locke started speaking truth when he said, we've already watered it down. Okay, true. You yeah. know, I think that the thing that might make, and we'll have to see how teams use it, and every time I think the bar has been lowered so they'll clear it, the bar gets lowered again, they still don't clear it. So I don't want to get too worked up about this, but it seems like one of the silver linings to this 7, 8, 9, 10 play-in thing is that for the top six teams, they're going to have a few days off to get the fatigue guys rested, to get the guys who've got the sprained ankle, oh, sprained wrist. Yeah. They, they get a little time. That's and good. in the past, when the season used to end on Thursday, you have playoffs on Saturday, we would see lots of playoff teams sitting guys on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because they wanted to have that week yeah. off to get yeah. healthy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, now maybe they get that. Now, it yeah. may not work that way for the Jazz, depending on – I think hamstrings are just – impossible to predict. Well, they're nagging. I, they are. They're nagging, and they're slow to heal. So, And I don't know how much of this with Conley is that it's really bad and how much is, well, it's, you know, it's, we're a little worried and Donovan's already out, so let's just be really careful with Mike. I don't know where they are on that kind of, you know, sliding scale. Uh, you know, for Donovan, from, this, from his injury to the playoffs, it's five weeks. So if he ends up not playing in the regular season – then he's got five weeks to get healthy. So to your point, he ought to be healthy for the playoffs. I mean, five weeks for a sprained ankle is a long time. You know, I, and, and I know you're going to, not you personally, but I know a lot of people will compare it to LeBron's. You know, Donovan rolled his ankle the more normal way to roll an ankle. You know, he rolled over on the outside of it. LeBron got hit on the inside and rolled it the other way. That seems to me to be worse and more serious. And I'm not seeing MRIs. And people aren't telling me stuff. But, I mean, just... You know, anybody who sprained an ankle and anybody who saw what happened to LeBron, that looked really bad. You know, it's a good thing it wasn't dislocated or broken. Yeah. Um, you know, he could have been he could have been out for the season. You know, with that injury, with what I just saw on the court against Atlanta right then, the first five minutes, I'm like, are they going to tell us he's done, that we're not going to see him again? Because that'll suck. You know, I mean, he's a star and you need the stars to play. Um I didn't think Donovan's was that bad. You know, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I would think, to your point, I would think, I would hope that at the five-week mark, you know, he'd be 100% for the playoffs. Now, if you don't get the games in and you don't get to scrape the rust off and Locke's guaranteeing us nothing, but he, he seemed to at least think that that could be in play, you know, that that sucks and that's too bad, but he's got to be healthy. you got to prioritize the health. If the Jazz aren't healthy – they're not going to be in the playoffs very long, I would expect. And I know there's examples where I've been wrong about that. And the Clipper series comes to mind right away. When Rudy went down in the first quarter of Game 1, I thought, uh-oh, and I wasn't alone. And they found a way to win the series. But the West looks too good this year, and I would just think any of these top teams that goes in injured, missing key players, isn't going to be around very long. And I am super impressed with what Denver is doing. And they're 8-1, and one, but they're 8-1 and one in the regular season. I still wonder how quickly this Murray injury is going to show up in the postseason. 
You know, nobody had the Jazz winning the Western Conference in the <laughs> season anyway. I distinctly, I'm just going to put my hand up and volunteer this. When I pumped up how many shooters the Jazz had, and was really kind of, and we were in football mode at that point because we finally had football, right? But you started looking at the career numbers for these guys and how some of the younger guys were trending. It's like, man, they got a lot of shooters. And you said, that means two in the West. And I didn't want to commit to two in the West because I saw the Laker and Clipper rosters. I did not want to commit to two in the West. I'm like, well, you know, if you get top three, uh, it's home court in game seven, but you're in a pretty good spot as far as your first round matchup. And you're not going to make your second round matchup any better because the Lakers and Clippers are so good. It's going to be really hard in the second round. As we sit here now, it's going to be really hard in the second round and everyone will be disappointed with a two or three seed. And we would have been thrilled with it at the start of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're healthy, bring it on and let's go. I mean, that, that that's my number one concern. I'm going to keep beating this drum now for four yeah. or five weeks. It's going to drive us all nuts. It's like you with Kyle Pitts. I'm so glad the draft is over. You're mentioning Kyle Pitts <laughs> more than I am. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to grab that guy in my fantasy draft. Definitely have to see if I can catch the other guys asleep at the wheel on that one. <laughs> I just hope there's no superstar that kicks off every Saturday at 10 o'clock next week's season. That... Beat it in the drum, beat it in the bush, whatever the ground, I guess, is the phrase, and go forward and and get going here, man. And and if these guys can be healthy in five weeks, I think that's great news. I really do, because the shooting is there, the Rudy is there. He's the defensive anchor, guards the paint, guards the hoop, all these things that are so positive in January and February. You have a chance to be there again in the postseason, and that's really all you could ask for. So I'm going to look at it from the optimistic standpoint and not get caught up in this uh, number of games left. You say they got 10 games yep, left. 10 so. games left. Well, I'm not throwing any of them away. You know, that, that Laker game, they were comp- I mean, they really gutted the roster that day. That what was a Saturday afternoon or whatever it was. Two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. And it looked, I mean, they were just sitting guys down left and right. Rudy looked really healthy sitting over there in his street clothes. And yet that game was very entertaining. Just yeah, forget the, the playoff race. I just, I liked the two and a half hours of basketball. And they had a chance to win it, and they didn't. And they gave up a hoop right at the end. And Joe was pretty bitter afterwards. I like what Joe had. I, I, I enjoyed Joe's bitterness. You know, he says it doesn't matter who's playing. It sucks to lose. Winning's better than losing, and they had a chance to win it. And so I think the same thing. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games if they're going to be that shorthanded down the stretch, but I'm not writing them off of any one because they've still got a lot of three-point shooters. And if you defend pretty well and Ilyasova's showing us something, you know, if they sit favors to rest him or they sit Rudy to rest him, so plug Ilyasova in there. That's why you got him, and he showed us something. And on any given night, and I don't think they'll shoot it real well 10 times, so I don't think they're going to have an awesome record down the stretch, but they can win any given night, and it's going to be close. One or two extra wins can change all the playoff matches. And plus these other teams haven't shown an overwhelming desire to press the pedal to the metal and win at all costs right now, too. The Clippers definitely have not. Um, I think the Suns have, although maybe the choices have been easy for them because they've just been pretty healthy. You know, the Lakers are taking their time with LeBron, but I expect when he comes back, he's going to look good. Uh, and the Nuggets have overachieved what I expected for them. You know, good for them. So, But the Clippers, because of where they sit, are really the most important one. And to your point, they make your point the best. You know, they have not shown a lot of urgency. And Locke brought that up. You know, maybe it's them not showing urgency, and maybe they're hiding how bad somebody's injury is. 
And if Kawhi's really injured and can't go, then what I said about the Jazz holds for the Clippers. If Kawhi's injured and can't go, how long can the Clippers last in these playoffs? I think they're in jeopardy of going out pretty quick, too. They went out in the second round last year to the Nuggets. And we're in trouble in the first round with the Mavericks tied at 2-2 after Luka's dramatic game winner. So if they've got to do this, you know, if Paul George has got to shoulder the whole load, we're wondering if he can be the second guy. If he's got to shoulder the whole load because Kawhi's not right or he's out, yikes. Yikes. In trouble. All right, DJ and PK, Kyle Whittingham in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you by, by Zero Res. It's never just clean, it's Zero Res Clean. $33 per room, clean, carpet, or tile. April only. Today's April 30. Call now, people. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801 288 9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Get that April deal today. Today is. The final day of April, April 30. There is no April 31, PK. Do not get confused, as I, I won't. frequently do. All right, we got, uh, we got multiple things going on this morning. Obviously, the Jazz, the Jazz and the Suns, big news. We also had the NFL draft. Uh, what are your evaluations of the first round? And we got a lot of people weighing in on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing as well. As far as the draft, uh, Brian says, Jaguars, Steelers, and Dolphins did great. Drafted solid players will be impact players, as did the Raiders, getting a solid offensive lineman. But Ryan says nothing new. Raider fans scratching their heads. Love it when people go against the common, uh, whatever the common logic of the day is, and leave people bewildered. Something for (laughs) us to debate going forward. These guys screwing it up. Do they know what they're doing? Bengals, what are you doing? you got to draft an offensive lineman to protect Burrow, but they draft Burrow's teammate because, you know, basically you got a really good wide receiver who is also comfort food. But that doesn't do you any good if Burrow's line is back with his uh, ACL shredded again. Okay, yeah, but it's not like uh, that's going to solve everything if you go in the other direction. Well, I think, th- I think two things. One, one guy doesn't fix everything. Um, but at least you're trying to step in the right direction. I do think the other thing is, if the Bengals have a plan that fixes their O-line, and, you know, if Burrow's getting sacked, and, you know, as far as sacks, they're, you know, top third of the league or whatever, well, then go get an excellent receiver who is also makes your quarterback more comfortable. And what's wrong with that? If you've got the O-line fixed, so they can make all these other moves. I mean, the first round isn't the only way to fix it. Although it oh, not at all. did no. seem like that was an excellent offensive lineman on the board. Yeah, and a lot of times those linemen, not all the time, but you know, if they're really good, it's probably going to transfer and yes, show up. It more. does usually. Uh, right. So I can understand that. But at the same time, I was fascinated by the number of uh, guys who were drafted uh, by a team that had a relationship with a quarterback yeah. Yeah. already. And so I think the Dolphins had one. So yep. there's three or four teams that went in that direction. 
And Burrow obviously was big-time prolific a year, uh, not this past season, uh, but when he was last season in college. So looking at that, and, you know, they did lose A.J. Green there in Cincinnati. I think he's gone to Arizona, if I remember correctly. So, you know, you've got a need there. But that's the beauty of this draft. That's the beauty of all drafts. I mean, we really don't get into it in baseball because there's so many kids out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they include these high school kids and most of us. And college baseball doesn't get near the run anyway. Uh, So, you know, we don't have that level of expectation. But we do to an extent in the NFL, certainly in basketball. In a lot of cases, we've seen these kids play and, and you're trying to project and all. And it, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's such an art to try to project to see what they can do. You know, they miss on every level. That's what's amazing. It doesn't matter the level, but they miss. And for the ones who get it right, man, that's that's a skill. And Kyle Whittingham has gotten it right so many times to be able to see. You know, they saw like Britton Covey wasn't wasn't offered that much. He didn't have a lot of attention. He's a little kid playing quarterback. He obviously at that size isn't going to play quarterback in a Pac-12. But they had the ability to see as a slot receiver and particularly as a returner the shifty nature of that kid and what they could see. And, you know, it's paid off. Uh, Certainly he's worthy of a scholarship. So being able to identify down the road is really, really difficult. You know, the Trevor Lawrences of the world, I guess if Trevor turns out to be what he's anticipating to be, that's pretty obvious. Uh, But the rest of them, man, it is a roll of the dice, which just makes it so entertaining because it it makes the – I really think of all the uh, team of sports, the NFL draft is the most important in terms of making or breaking your current regime, so your current coaching staff, your current GM, because if you keep missing, well, then you're gone. You have no you're out hope. the door. Yeah. yeah. You see, in the, in the NBA, although the NBA is really important, there are other paths. You know, the yeah. Lakers can go get LeBron. Right. right. And then they can go get AD, whether you like how they got AD or not. Yeah. And now they're in a great place. But in the NFL, with the salary caps and with the injuries just chewing guys up, if you are not bringing in good, inexpensive, inexpensive talent, either the, the injuries and attrition will get you or the cap will get you. You're, you're going to be right in the cul-de-sac with nowhere to go. There's no way around it. So yeah. Now, the other thing we've got, the other big story is it comes out, and I mean, I, I, the, the timing was so perfect, I just can't help but think that Aaron Rodgers – you know, he's disgruntled. He doesn't want to come back. I think he wants a contract extension. The, the timing, the draft, the way it, the, the story leaks out, that was a little too late to put, put pressure on him to trade him. You know, if they're going to trade him, they need to be comfortable with what they're going to use the picks and doing the homework on the guys. And Aaron Rodgers is plenty smart enough to know that. If, if this comes out three weeks ago, he's got a chance to be traded. I think right now, I think he wants – he's got him over a barrel. You know, they're winning – they went to the NFC title game. They shouldn't have kicked the field goal. They should have left it up to him, blah, blah, blah. He's the guy. He's playing at the MVP level. I, I think he wants another three- to four-year deal and another hundred and whatever million dollars. And I get they don't want to give it to him. You know, what if his production falls off a cliff and, you know, he's in his late 30s now, so this isn't going to go on forever. But uh, to me, this sounds like that, that's the deal. But you root for any other team, and we got – it doesn't matter if you're a Niner fan, Seahawk fan, Raider fan, Bronco fan. You know, it, apparently he wants to go west. So anybody who roots for a team in the western half of the U.S. is like, yeah, 
How about us? Let's make an, a- let's make an Aaron Rodgers deal right now. Uh, maybe it'll come down to that. I got no inside info, but man, the timing of it made me think he just wants a contract extension. With Green Bay? Yep. You think he wants to stay in Green Bay? No. Prob- he probably wouldn't mind leaving, but he knows how hard that is, given the level he's playing at. So his consolation prize is give me a contract extension and I'll suck it up. And ultimately, uh, yeah. probably still get dealt anyway. That's how it ends for most Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? If Manning can move, if Brady can move, if going back to whatever won Super Bowls decade, yeah, they still had they they had won Super Bowls where they were. They still got moved, and they still had it in them to win again, and they still got moved. So if those guys can't move, he knows he can. I mean, Breeze is an unusual story. It might work out that he finishes his career there, but he was there for the Favre saga. He knows how it works. Uh huh. He's lived it on the other end of it, but he still lived it. All right. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, putting a wrap on spring football. We will talk with Kyle next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk college football with Kyle Whittingham, the head coach of the Utes. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. I am curious, since I don't want to look back at the NFL draft, I want to look ahead to next year's draft. And people are already putting out stuff saying there are going to be at least 10, maybe a dozen Utes drafted. Do you have that many NFL guys? I mean, obviously, a lot of guys came back for one more year. Do you have that many NFL guys in your roster? Uh, you know, I haven't sat down and done a count, a head count of that, but I would say that uh, we're going to have a, a solid draft, whether it gets that high. Uh, I'd have to look through all the names, but uh, we've got some good players coming back, and we certainly had uh, a bunch of guys come back this year that would have been drafted in this draft had they opted not to, you know, come back and, and uh, come out uh, this year. But but uh, I got a roster right here in front of me. Let me tell you right now: one, two, three, four, uh, you know, seven, eight at least. I would think that'd be probably just an early in the, uh, early guess somewhere in that main range. So it's obvious you know, your program has had no shortage of NFL talent. You've been open and speaking about that since you've gone in the Pac-12. It's got you into doors that you hadn't been in, and that has led to a number of NFL talent. My question for you is in this draft that's going on right now, we've seen a number of Utah kids that are obviously from the state, played high school ball here, but did not stay local and are going into the NFL. So it's become easier to get into doors. But how much harder has it been to maintain this high-level talent since the word is out, hey, let's go to Utah and recruit because they got pretty good high school football there? Yeah, we've got very good high school football here, and, and that's uh, been evident for, for a lot of years now. And it's it's doing nothing but getting better every single year. Um, when I first got to Utah forever ago, uh, you know, back in the 90s, there may be four or five uh, collegiate caliber players in the state of Utah. Now that, you know, some years we're upwards of 30-plus guys. And so, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of talent in this state. The high school coaches in the state are, are doing a great job developing that talent. And uh, it's it's, you know, the, the word is out, as you said. I mean, there's... There's uh, certainly the Pac-12 comes in here and and uh, you know tries to take people out and then uh, you know we've got even you know the SEC coming in here and so it's it's no secret anymore and uh, it's a you know a highly recruited area for uh, for a lot of the Power Five conferences. 
I am sure you've had to deal with some negative recruiting when it's time to get quarterbacks or receivers. And, you know, their narrative has been thrown out by opposing assistant coaches or head coaches. Hey, they don't, why would you go there? They don't throw the ball. Kyle loves the ground and pound, run the ball to win and all that. Why would you go there? Do you think the passing game this year has the chance, especially with, you know, Brewer, has the chance to change that narrative and and make those words really ring hollow, even if people want to repeat them? Well, you know, first of all, uh, you know, when you go back to the last two full seasons, 18 and 19, we threw for over 3,000 yards in both those seasons. And, uh, in fact, in 19, had the highest completion percentage in yards per attempt uh, of anyone in the Pac-12. And so I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, we have had some terrific running backs come through here. And I think the bottom line for us is you play to your strengths and whatever, you know, you, you tailor things to, to your personnel. And, and we've had a good run of a really good run of running backs and and uh, so we've you know we've tried to feature those guys but but uh, going into this year to answer your question as far as uh, our ability to throw the football I think it's going to be you know a, a, a year where uh, that may be one of our strengths and so we'll have to see what happens but but uh, you know Charlie looked really good in spring and we got Cam rising that'll be uh, thrown into the mix this fall and so we really don't pay attention I guess the, the short version is or the short answer we don't pay attention much to what other people are saying we just try to get the best players in here that we possibly can and then uh, like I said uh, tailor things to to what they do best and, and go from there so you've been open about getting a receiver possibly even more than one through the transfer portal how is that going Going good, going good, and the portal is is saturated right now with players. There's 4,500 plus uh, football players in the portal now for Power Five or, or uh, Division One FBS. I think that number goes down to to uh, you know 2,000 or something like that. So it's it's uh, not you know as big a pool as as, as uh, it might sound like it uh, at first blush. But but uh, we're searching the portal every day and evaluating, and as is everyone in the country. I mean, it's no uh, you know, it's nothing that we're uh, doing and that everyone else isn't doing. I mean, it's something that is here to stay. It's free agency in college football is what it is, and that's that's exactly what it uh, has evolved to. And so we've got our eye to the portal every day, and, and uh, we're, uh, you know, evaluating everybody that comes into the portal every day that is of a, of a position that that uh, is of interest to us. And, and uh, we feel like right now we're uh, going to stick with that plan, you know, one or two receivers that will add to the program and and uh we still got uh, time on our hands you know it's only or time on our side i should say it's uh you know not even may yet so we have two or three months to to continue to search and and it, it becomes kind of a, a strategic thing you know you got a guy you may like but you know do you, you know if you wait and be patient you're going to find a guy you like better and so it's it's there's a strategy to it and you got to you know hope for the hope you make the right decisions but uh right now we think we're in, in a good place even though we uh, haven't officially announced anybody yet. We think that uh, you know, in the next uh, 30 to 60 days, we'll, we'll come away with a receiver or two that we really like. The portal is relatively new, and it really seems to be picking up speed. So do you ever see a name in the portal and think, man, I wasn't planning on using a scholarship on a guy at that position, but we got to go get that guy, or are people of that caliber not going into the portal? I think the latter, more so the latter. I think that... Uh, you know the uh, the uh, portal is mainly you know a lot of the guys in the portal are, are guys that 
are not the number one guy at their position in the, for example, wide receiver. You know, if you're not the number one guy in your in your program and you think you should be, and someone else is getting the majority of the touches, well, then you you know you think you may move on. But but typically the you know the top tier caliber guys. Uh, stay situated and stay put for the most part. Now, there's exceptions to that, obviously, but as a general rule, I think that uh, most of them stay put. Anybody after spring ball from your program go into the portal? Not yet, you know, but uh, you never know. We had our exit interviews last week, and I met with all 130 guys, and that was a, a uh, daunting task. It took it took a lot of hours, but, but uh, right now everybody is uh, – in a good mindset, and and uh, you know, and indicated that they don't have any plans to to uh, move on at least at this point in time. But but that could change, and I would guess that by uh, you know by the time fall camp rolls around, we'll have had somebody leave. But we'll see what happens. You've built a solid program, obviously, over the years. But what about the sizzle, Kyle? Are you bringing Steve Smith back next year to catch a ball out of a helicopter to end spring practice? <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good uh, ploy that uh, Arizona had going there. But uh, losers, you know, we don't <laughs> <laughs> spoken like a true Sun Devil, yes, sir. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. We're not. We're typically not a, a, a gimmick outfit and, and that type of thing. But but that was that was pretty uh, pretty inc- uh, creative. And so uh, props to those guys. Even though PK, you know, is going to have a bad attitude about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve would do it. Anything for fun. You know, it's such a business. It's such a grind. If you can figure out something to throw a little fun in there, we will forgive you the occasional gimmick. Absolutely. A little levity never hurts. Exactly. All right. Well, we'd love to keep you on the line and talk to you longer, but you literally have a bigger name on another line. Phil Steele coming up. We don't want to keep you from that. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, and I know he will, too. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kyle. We appreciate a few minutes. Okay, guys. Take care. All right. There's Kyle Whittingham, who literally, as I look at the clock, has like 11 seconds to get on the phone with Phil Steele because Phil wants every second he can get too. Isn't it crazy in the offseason how popular guys are, PK? <laughs> it's the offseason. Uh, yeah, but if you get an opportunity to get uh, some information, you're going to take advantage of it because guys have more time for interviews. Yeah. I mean, I used to get Majerus in the offseason. We would talk for an hour. Yep. Well, and uh, Phil will. I mean, he routinely yeah. tweets about that kind of stuff. Thanks to Coach for an hour and 15 minutes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I do think that uh, football, college football, is so huge that there is an offseason, we understand it, but you look at networks are televising spring games. Um, for some dumb reason, I watched the Alabama spring game the other day flicking around uh, just because it was on and there was nothing else. Obviously, it was a taped uh, version of it. It wasn't the live version. So college football is so, so gigantic in this country that it never lacks for interest. And as Yogi Roth has said, my wife was listening to him call a game once. I think it was the first game of the season. And I'm at the stadium. He's in the booth right next to me, but I can't hear him. She's texting me. This guy, this analyst, man, he's talking about how he loves Salt Lake because it's football crazy. And I've told you that Pac-12 people have told me that when I've been out on the road that they said, we absolutely love Utah because they're obviously a good program. But the attention and the interest that is there is something that, of course, everybody wants. And they have it here, which I think is a massive, massive benefit to Utah in its recruiting because kids want to go where it matters. You come here, it matters. There's no question it matters. 
and they've been able to get a number of guys in the NFL that way that they wouldn't have gotten before. Then Pac-12, they care. The program's in a good spot. I do think they need to do better as far as keeping top-end talent in the state. Now, it's not unique to Utah. It's around the conference, really. I mean, you look at it, it doesn't matter where you are. It's around the conference. And it just, for some reason, it stings a little bit more here in Utah because we're a smaller state, at least smaller population-wise. And so we can count the kids, the Sewells and Wilson, uh, Fajoko and... And the list goes on. I would need a list to name all the kids. And I think it's an issue. It's not particular to Utah, but it's an issue for all these programs that are pretty good programs but want to take the next step. Yeah, when you see guys going top 10 and they weren't at your school, how can that not sting? You know, some of it you can rationalize away. Hey, we can only take so many guys at that position. I think if Utah loses a defensive lineman out of state, it doesn't sting that bad because, honestly, they look like they're always too deep and sometimes three deep. And so if you're going to have another guy to plug in, well, okay. But if it's a kind of talent that is first-round NFL draft talent, that that leaves uh, a mark. I don't think it has to be just first round. Uh, I mean, NFL guys that are in state, you're expected to get them. You've got everything that you need and that they need, and I believe you're expected to get them. And it's a blow. It becomes that uh, because not only that, then is that if he's an NFL guy and he goes to Oregon, and it becomes he comes back to the community because a lot of the people come Holodinata lives in our community yep. comes back and they talk hey a Utah kid eh, go call this guy he lives in your state he can tell you all about it and so it's it, steamrolls it clearly does because stanford has make a living off of recruiting return missionaries and yeah, you you want to know how we handle missionaries talk to this guy Talk to these guys. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And, and, uh, and they'll tell you, man, I just loved it over there. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, they don't have the passion of Stanford football, but uh, everything else, education, blah, 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 the place where you live because you're not – you don't have to pay to live there and buy a house. You're on campus or renting or what have you. And it's a dynamic place to live. And, it's, and it feeds off of itself. And you want to cut that off as much as you can. That's why they put that stuff, the hometown heroes, in the billboards and all. They're trying to sell it to those guys. So I, I disagree. I think it's a blow to your program, and it's something you have to be aware of. Now, Utah has been able to overcome it, but the Sun Devils haven't. They have not been able to overcome it. And we'll see down the line uh, partic- in Southern California how it works. Uh, you know, you're going to have starting quarterbacks at Clemson and Alabama most likely uh, from being from Southern California, well, that I, I just think I just think it hurts, man, and it, it's unfortunate. But I mean, I don't knock the kid. It's unfortunate from the school perspective, uh, and I and I believe that you know Trevor Riley. I've talked to him about it, and he's of the who's the Ben Cahoon gotten some controversy a few years back when he was recruiting for BYU. Don't go to Stanford. Uh, then you come back here and nobody really knows you as much. Whereas if you come back, if you stay here and go here and come back here, then you're a big celebrity. So, And you can feed not just a celebrity, but you can actually benefit financially from that. So they got to get on it, but they've got a really good program. And that's all that matters. And they're going to be in contention for the South. I really believe that. I don't know who's going to win, but I believe they're going to be in contention. And that's what matters the most. Do you think Brewer throws the ball away? 
well enough and they win enough and pile up enough yards and all that to knock down the, hey, don't go to Utah, they don't throw the ball storyline. I mean, Kyle clearly is already combating that. He had an answer ready, and it's because he's given it before. He's heard that. I know he has. And and he had the answer ready so quickly. He had those stats available immediately. Yeah, I think they can combat it, but it's up to the individual. You know, what what is the individual thinking? Because they've got this freshman in there from Southern California now. The Tuttle was in a – it didn't work, obviously. But they got this kid here. And Troy Williams was an unusual situation with the transfers. Travis Wilson they got. Uh, So what they need, what they're looking for, is a big-time stud. But even if you get a big-time stud who goes riding into the NFL – uh, that doesn't mean you're going to get the next one or the next one because they had Alex Smith was the number one pick. You couldn't go higher than that. Right. And it's not like they rolled out a ton of guys after that. So it's up to the individual. And, and Costelli, what is he going to show? You know, I can say, well, sure, he came here because maybe he didn't think he could beat out the competition there, wherever there might have been. So I don't know. You know, they missed out on Jaden Daniels because they had Tyler Huntley, and the kid knew I could play as a freshman. And what's the difference? Uh, Well, really, if I'm going to go out of state, what's the difference if I go to Utah or ASU? Not really a whole lot of difference. In fact, ASU is closer to his uh, family in the Inland Empire area. But I think it was about playing time and opportunity. So certainly Brewer, if he does what he does, helps. But I don't think it's going to open the floodgates. I think it's an individual decision that these guys make. And you just have to stay after it every day. I think it helps for running backs, for sure. Absolutely it helps for running backs. And it helps for the positions that they recruit professional guys to. And that's interior line and defense and running backs. Which, man... You're, you're covering just about all your football team at that point. If, they, the, if the passing game gets on track, look out! Yeah, but at what expense? You know, the passing game there for SC is all that now, but the running game isn't. Well, you're going to have everything? Yeah, and I think their line – well, yeah. yeah that, that makes you Alabama, Who has everything? Alabama and Clemson. And you're never going to be <laughs> Alabama and Clemson. That's exactly. I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I think, it, I think at SC the problem everyone writes about is the line play. You know, that they have great skill position guys, but they don't dominate the trenches the way they used to. So, and and I think that's more normal, you know? And there are plenty of people who tell you, yeah, if you're going to dominate at every position, you probably have to cheat. Everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Nobody really wants to come out and say it, but everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Uh, If you call breaking a rule cheating or bending a rule cheating, if you call you know, academic fraud. So cheating has a wide spectrum. Absolutely. <laughs> and a, a text outside the time period when you're supposed to be contacting, in my mind, that's one thing, you know, cash and cars and did this player get a hundred grand or whatever? I mean, some of the allegations are massive. Oh, they're getting cash. They're getting money one way or the other. And if you don't think so, you're naive, but and that's the way of the world, man. <laughs> so, Start, start paying. Start figuring out ways to get them money. Make it is is it prostitution, and we need to make it legal. Is that what that's what it's boiled down to? Because it's going to happen either way. Name, image, and likeness that will legalize the flow of money. It won't stop the illegal quote illegal flow of money, but it'll legalize a lot. I, I hesitate. I hesitate to use the word legal because legal legal, is a legal right. Term. It's not a lot then, but yes, uh, well. 
I mean, it doesn't sound like a law thing, and then all of a sudden there's a wiretap on a basketball coach who never considered it illegal. I mean, he knew it was against the NCAA rules, but he, I mean, I got to, I got to think that those coaches, you know, I, I can't even name all the schools that got hit, but Arizona and USC, because I remember the Pac-12 schools. Mm-hmm. I bet those coaches didn't think, hey, I might get in trouble with the NCAA, but they never thought they were going to get in trouble with the FBI. <laughs> I just don't think they thought that. I don't think that was on their radar. Yeah, because who would do that? Right. And then all of a sudden, surprise. Yeah, right. And they paid a dear price for that. Yep. So uh, the bottom line is that Utah, is, is, it's probably going to continue to be who it is. And they're going to have to battle that. But I think they have more things that work in their favor as opposed to things that they have to overcome. Yeah, and I think the the passion of the fans is just uh, it's just a huge positive. And you can talk to the people who do the recruiting, and they'll tell you that Utah and Oregon have an advantage over the rest of the league for a kid who goes to one of those games for the first time. One of those out of state kids, right? And if, if any of the other ten schools are recruiting him, it feels different on the sidelines or in the stands at a Utah or Oregon game than it does anywhere else, unless. You know, USC's playing Notre Dame and the place is sold out. Well, unless you're winning, though. But I, I think you can get it. You can get it in Tucson and Tempe and the, and the Rose Bowl if you're winning. I believe you can get it if you're winning. And All right. You got to D- find ways to win. DJ and PK, we will leave it right there for now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next. Everything you missed in this show, the NFL draft, Zach Wilson, the Jazz, the Suns, David Locke musing about the injuries and how shorthanded the Jazz could be in these final 10 games. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dennis Dodd is with us from CBS Sports. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 Conference Commissioner search. How's it going? Yeah, it's not going well. They're screwing this thing up. I talked to a person yesterday who has intimate knowledge on the search, and it's a mess. They're considering having two commissioners, one that would deal with the ADs and one that would do more administrative stuff. Well, who do those people report to each other? I mean, it's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. I can come up with five very capable people off the top of my head right now that could do that job. Hire one of tomorrow and be done with it instead of this drama on our process, but the longer they go, the longer it looks like they're going to end up with another Larry Scott. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I'm going to give it everything I have. You know, I worked uh, as hard as I could for this moment, and uh, there's not another team I'd want to play for besides the Jets, so I'm going to give it everything I have, and we're going to be a special team, baby. We're going for the Super Bowl. This is what I wanted all along, and I can't wait to play for really the greatest franchise in NFL history, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. Jimmy's our quarterback right now, and Trey's going to come in here. He's going to compete. He's trying to do everything, and the day that it looks like Trey can compete with him and he's ready to go, then we'll know that. Our players will see that, and we won't hesitate on that, just like I feel like we wanted at any other position. Is there any scenario that you can see trading Aaron Rodgers this offseason? No, no, Ryan. I appreciate the question, but no, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is underway. Get rid of the contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. You just heard a montage from a big day in the NFL, mostly draft, not completely draft. It started off there with Zach Wilson, number two to the Jets, the Big Apple, baby. If he can conquer it for the Jets, well, 
It sounds impossible because nobody's done it, but it sounded impossible in Kansas City until somebody did it. They hadn't had success in 50 years, and they got the right coach, and they got the right quarterback, and they surrounded him with the right players and an excellent tight end and wide receiver and skilled players, and they got it done, PK. The Jets are coming off 2-14, and 14, but they're dreaming big, even though there's obviously a long way to go. Yeah, one of the great things about the NFL, I don't really believe that there's as much a market advantage as there is in the NBA. And so with that in mind, Kansas City's off the beaten path to an extent. They've gotten it done. Uh, I believe that anybody can get it done. Maybe even Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, of all places, can get it done if you have the right management and the right players and the right schemes and all that stuff. It's got to be pulling in the same direction. And if that's the case, the great thing about Zach Wilson here is if he were to fail, well, what's new? But if he were to succeed... Because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And that's the great thing about the opportunity that awaits him. He could really be a shining star. Now, we said the same thing two years ago or three years ago about Sam Darlin, who was taken, I think, third. And they gave up on him and jettisoned off to uh, Carolina. So I don't know that's going to happen. But the opportunity is really right in front of him, and it's tremendous. And it's going to be – he's a local kid, obviously – going to be able to follow him. I, I, I like the way he's handling it. I like the guys he invited. He invited his high school coach and three BYU coaches. John Beck was there. Uh, all the guys that helped him to a large extent. And he's remembering them. I think that's a good sign. It helps you stay grounded. You didn't do this by yourself. You've got the skill, but you've had other folks along the way, starting with your uh, high school coach, Care, help you get to where you are and continued. So... I'm excited to see how this develops over the coming years. I think, uh, you know, the one thing that Zach will hopefully avoid that Sam Darnold did not, I mean, the obvious with Darnold is he got in there and then they got a new GM and they got a new coach and they wanted their own guy. So how much time do you get to figure this out? If Darnold takes off, he wouldn't be the first quarterback who wasn't an immediate success but then figured out something later on and, you know, your mid-20s, if you hit it right, you can still play in the NFL for a long time. You know, Drew Brees just wrapped up his career, and, you know, he was clearly, you know, the his career move after five years uh, to the Saints and getting with the right coach. I mean, he just he took off. So Sam Darnold is 23, and best of luck to him, but it's yeah. Zach Wilson's show now. It is. Uh, you also heard in there uh, from some of the other voices of the draft, that was Mac Jones getting booed because he said the Patriots, referencing the Patriots, the greatest franchise in uh, the NFL. So, you know, if the draft isn't in Boston, you're going to get booed because <laughs> nobody else is pulling for the Patriots and the evil empire. Well, they are. He slid all the way to 15. And uh, the, they get their guy, and they didn't have to trade up. Now, maybe they wanted to trade up and just felt like the price was too big. Certainly the Bears paid a high price to move up to a number 11 spot and get their guy. Uh, so, you know, field slips, and they wanted the Ohio State kid, and so they move up to 11, and they move four picks, including the number one this year and the number one next year, to get there. But if you got your franchise quarterback, then everyone will think that was the best thing you ever did. Yeah, I, you know, he slid. There's some play, uh, people, selections, they weren't interested in a quarterback. Yep. So it was the right spot. And for him, i, I got to believe he's ecstatic. Uh, you're going to a winning organization, that's a fact. And, I mean, I could strongly argue that the best franchise in NFL history, you know, certainly in the last 25 years, I don't think there's any question about that. So he's going to get an opportunity, man. See what he can do. If you would have told him probably when 
this time last year that he'd be a top 15 pick, he would have been ecstatic. So how does Trey Lance get passed over by the entire Big Ten, end up at North Dakota State, and then end up the number three pick with the Niners, who went to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo, no matter how much you cool on him, he, he was your quarterback, and you were in the Super Bowl. You were not that far away from winning it all, but they're investing in a young quarterback, so either they've really cooled on Garoppolo or they just think Trey Lance is all of that and you can't afford to pass on him. Well, Garoppolo has a big-time injury history. Staying on the field has been a problem for him. It so has. You have to be prepared for that, and, and they believe that they see something in Lance. So we'll see. I just find it funny, man, all these booger and these guys. Oh, the, the media market going to go forward with uh, with Zach Wilson. How is he going to handle the media market? Nothing about Justin Fields going from Columbus where, uh, yeah, they were breaking that story about that coaching domestic abuse. Oh, no, they weren't. They didn't have it. And so I don't think that Columbus is nothing – a big, great media market, and so it just we, we we pick on stuff. And the point I bring up is that Zach Wilson didn't play anybody. Well, Trey Lance literally didn't play anybody. <laughs> he played one game, but that didn't mean anything. These people who are experts with the Niners, they feel like he's their guy or he's got the skills. So good on them for doing it, and we'll see if this kid can develop. And then we hear from the Packers GM who says he's not trading Aaron Rodgers, which is what you say right up until the second you trade him. Now, Rodgers and all the news breaking yesterday, and he's reportedly unhappy, and Adam Schefter had it at ESPN, and other people picked up on it. Uh, I just can't help but think that he wants a contract extension. And he gets a three- or four-year extension worth a hundred and whatever million dollars, and he may not love it there, and he may not love some of the decisions that they make, whether it's drafting or on the field or whatever, but he'll be happy. On the other hand, maybe this is just one more rumbling before he inevitably moves, the way Tom Brady moved, the way Peyton Manning moved, the way so many big-time quarterbacks move at the end of their careers. And you can go back through the generations, Montana, Unitas, all the Namath, a bunch of big-time quarterbacks with Super Bowl championships. Van Brocklin. Have moved. Hadel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now people will look up Hadel. Hmm, how do I spell that? H-A-D-L. You're done. I don't even know who you played for. (laughs) Chargers and Rams, among others. Didn't win a Super Bowl, but he was a player of the year or something. All right, uh, Yach, we got people want to weigh in? Ben wants to weigh in on the NFL draft. Yes, Ben, what do you have? What do you want to complain about, Ben? I'm not complaining about anything. I was actually just calling to say – what PK's actual stance of someone in New Jersey, do you think they're actually going to make him win more than 50% of their games? What's the question? Is Who's going to make him win? Yeah, they, they drafted Zach. Uh-huh. They have him now in the Jets. Uh-huh. I know it's New York, but let's be honest, it's in New Jersey. Yeah, it is. Is he going to win 50% of his games? Uh, next season, uh, career-wise, where what what what's the parameter? Either there? or. Well, it, I, man, it, if they went eight and eight next season, jet. he's rookie of the year, and this coach is. It'd be a miracle coaches, in the Meadowlands. Uh, I be. agree. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. If he went, they went two and fourteen for, for with a rookie quarterback, and they go eight and eight, and they would be ecstatic, man. Uh, thanks for the call. I don't know what he's going to do. I can't say that, man. I like his possibilities. That's the best I can offer. I would love to be able to say this kid's a surefire 
this or that. But you don't. You, just you don't can't. dare. You don't dare. There's no point in crawling out on that limb. No, I mean, no, I can't. I can't. There's too many variables that are involved, and a lot of the variables don't even involve him. So he could be all that, but if everything around him sucks and they're going in every which direction, I don't know about that, man. That's what I'm saying. It's just going to be so fun to see it play out, and when we get to September – I'm probably going to get the NFL package so I can watch Zach Wilson. Oh, I think we're going to see a lot of him here. I don't know that you're going to have to have that to see him. Now, if you want to see every game, sure. But uh, one thing I saw last year, because there were all these questions about, you know, Broncos, Raiders, who's going to own this town? Well, when you track the whole season, and you know the NFL doesn't just look at the regional games, even though they got to make that decision every week. But when you look at all the games that are available, you could see three-quarters of the games or more for the Raiders, the Broncos. Okay. Uh, I think the Saints came in at 11, so they may not have gotten to, to three quarters. The Chiefs, uh, you know, the Packers were on 10 times. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Jets games here. Good. And the Jets play the Broncos, Good. so circle that one. Well, I mean, Channel 2 used to be something I could believe in, and then they canned me. So <laughs> I tell you. The Jets play the Jaguars. If you don't think those two are going to play a primetime early in the year before they get hurt, uh, that, that's got Monday night week two or three written all over it, doesn't it? Let's see the two young quarterbacks go at it. Sure, I like it. Yeah. So I think they're going to play. The Saints were on TV here a ton with Taysom Hill. The Saints play the Jets this year. i got to believe uh, the game's in New Jersey. If it's not a uh, primetime game, I would think uh, there's a pretty good chance that ends up on a, on a regional Sunday broadcast here in Utah. So I bet we, I bet we see a fair number of Jets games this year. As long as he stays healthy and he's starting, obviously. Which I think starting seems, with the Darnold move, like oh, yeah, to they have two other undrafted right. guys yeah, on. Right, it's got to be him. All right, let's go to the phones and Rick and take our chances with him. Rick, what do you have? Zach Wilson. Um, Thanks, Rick. Good he, call. He, <laughs> he benefited from COVID like no person on this earth other than billionaires in the stock market. Oh, I was about to say, Bezos did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. The reason being, as you know, what, five big five school games canceled, right? If they play those five, you honestly think BYU was any better than a bad Utah team? Yeah, but they're looking they for quarterbacks. How does They're looking for quarterbacks. How does he look? He went to Tennessee – and they right. won. He beat SC at home in overtime. The team wasn't as good those years. I think we can all agree on that. They had too many guys back. Whoa, 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 whoa. The team that's wasn't that's as good that year. It was the same year. Those games were back-to-back, actually. Remember, North Dakota State was undefeated because they were way better than their competition. But if they go to Big 5 football, they're 4-10. and ten. Same thing with that BYU team. They were better. They had a good offensive line, a great quarterback, two good receivers. But when you play Big Five schools, you go right through the depth immediately. We know they don't have any depth, okay? And then you get a 500 team. So my point is, Wilson goes two and three in those Power Five games, and you got Jordan Love in the second round or whatever. You know, he's, he is, if you've watched him, he's played three very good defenses, USC and Utah twice. He's got scrambled eggs and tries to be a hero when things get chaotic, and he's not good. And I'm not a BYU basher. I bash it equally on everybody. Now, the Jets, I think, have turned it around with this new management, and they got a ton of picks. They've got money. So the situation's right for him. but I think of, there's 
he may be the bust in the first round. Oh, I think there'll be more. Thanks for the call. I think there'll be more than one bust. I don't think four of the five quarterbacks are going to pan out. Five of the top 15 were QBs. If four of five pan out, then PK, we're going back to that, uh, what was it, the 83 draft with Marino and Elway. And, uh, you know, there were five first rounders. Yeah, like Ken O'Brien was the quote unquote bad quarterback, and he won 10 games in playoff. Oh, wait, he went to UC Davis, didn't he? He did. He was an Uh oh, that's like Division 10. (laughs) It was at the time, it was D2 at the time. Yes. And I don't think that Zach played Utah twice, right? I think he only played him once. Or did he play him twice? Oh, yeah, the second, the first one he did, because it was later in the year. That's right. And he was the start. And he led by 20. So was it the defense? They had the big lead, and then. Utah scored on on every drive, and they were going for it on fourth down at their own twenty five or whatever at the end. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that they the the people who are making these selections are looking at the competition; they're looking at the player. All right, DJ PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, your feedback, a lot of feedback on the Jazz and the Suns. We spent a lot of time talking about them and Jazz injuries, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Minky Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. That's a week from Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. PK, we got a lot of uh, a lot of people weighing in here on the Jazz and what they should do and how this should play out. And everybody wants to be the one seed if possible. A lot of people are realizing, well, that may not be possible with the injuries. And I think people largely on board that health matters a lot. And if you don't prioritize that, you're just setting yourself up to get beat. So you better prioritize that. And that's pretty much accepted across the NBA. We're seeing that with the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, The Suns seem to be healthy and rolling, which probably bodes poorly for tonight. Following along, says, Jazz could rest several players on the back-to-back and be good in a good position to win eight or nine of the remaining games. Now, if you weren't here for David Locke earlier in the show, do you think David would agree with that? Uh, No, but he tends to be worst-case scenario to set himself up so he's not disappointed. I mean, he's so much connected to the team. We all understand that. Sure, but we've also seen them go 7-6 and in the last 13. I don't think they're about to rest guys and go 8-2. and Oh, I'd agree with that. Right. I don't think there's any question. So, yeah, to, to answer your question there, the way I look at it, if the Clippers and Lakers are more concerned about health, why shouldn't the Jazz be? Because I believe they're in the same class as those guys. Uh, that's pretty good logic right there. They are clearly prioritizing their health. I will say that Locke surprised me a little bit, and I can't say that he's right or wrong. Um, and I'm leaning towards he's right, that maybe there's more, and there's always the chance that he knows more than he's letting on. Um, but he wondered if Kawhi Leonard was just resting now or if there was something really wrong with his foot, which kind of implies, well, then it might not be really right for the playoffs. Well, yeah, then... I don't think that uh, they would be a favorite. I think they could still win games and even maybe win a series or two. But if that's the issue, then it sucks for them. But who cares? <laughs> People who get to play them care. <laughs> it sucks still for them. Beat them but, Good and, and, and so you win one round. Yep. 
Well, that's one more you got in the bag, right? I, I think the question here is: the Jazz gonna are the Jazz gonna hold on and win enough games down the stretch? Depending on you know, I don't know the level of expectation because we don't know how many games Conley and Mitchell are gonna sit or play or how that's gonna work out. But are they gonna hold on to the one of the top two spots? One looks like it's slipping away, but if they hold on to one of the top two spots, they'd be a pretty heavy favorite in the first round. If you beat the Clippers in the second round, you're into the conference final, and that's a step forward. They haven't been in a conference final in a long time. I think it's 14 years now. Uh, my question is, are they going to be healthy for the playoffs? And if they're going to be healthy for the playoffs, I expect them to win. Watt says, I hope we win. If we get to the finals with home court advantage, just imagine. I don't know that number two is that big a detriment. I mean, if if under PK's theory and everything comes in, that they're healthy and they win – if you're two, you get to the conference final, is Phoenix going to be there or not? You could still have home court, so I don't know that you should be getting all worked up about home court in the conference finals now. There's a lot of ways for that to play. One, the Jazz get eliminated, so it doesn't matter. Two, the Jazz get there, and the Suns aren't there, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Big Al HDMC. Amazing how Carl Malone and John Stockton never missed this many games with an ankle sprain. And he's got the grimacing emojis. Well, you're going to be disappointed if you're going to point to those two. Who's playing 72 games this year? Those guys played 82 in the 82-game seasons. If they didn't, it's because they played 81. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, sure. John and Carl aren't walking through that door. Not in uniforms. I mean, they could yeah. walk through the door. <laughs> yeah, but I was pointing to the radio studio door. John, John doesn't have a book to sell, so he's not coming through oh, that door. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Darren says, I care enough to hope they win tonight. Not enough that they'll be in a bad mood if they don't. It's been an impressive year, and 1-2 in the West is nothing to be upset over. As long as you have your health. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. When we return on Monday morning, the Jazz will be down to their final eight games on the schedule. Aaron Roderick is going to join us Monday. We'll get some BYU football in, get a little Zach Wilson the Jets, get his take on the weekend. He was back there for the, uh, for the draft. So you got that to look forward to. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. PK, crush it off the tee, okay? I'll try. Excellent. See you Monday.